surpass all those who came before you. You think you can live up to the challenge? Those who fought the demons, those who gathered the souls, spilled their blood and died in the shadows. What gives you the right to, to face this mountainous challenge ahead of you? Well, if you so dare, go on then. Prove your worth. Settle the score with the monsters. And let everyone know who you truly are. Here in episode 274 of the Fake Nerd Podcast, where we're talking about hype and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm Ben Magnet, joined by Brandon McClure, who Whatever is in happened? absolute shock right now. Whatever happened to a, to a, to the good old welcome everybody to another episode. Brandon, sorry, that's boring. So, uh, Ben, how many hours have you played of Elden Ring? Zero. Okay, just just making sure. Okay, I do not have the game yet. You don't even have um, it. Beautiful. For, for anybody who's watching, that is what Ryan muted the, the video to tell me while Ben was doing that. Was he hasn't even played it <laughs> no no i haven't you're absolutely right i haven't played elden ring at all but since we're talking about high introduce things, the rest of them yeah that's uh ryan eliopoulos right there hi i talk about things i play <laughs> and sparks witty hi well hey guys get the game on friday so shut it <laughs> i'm just waiting for us to play it baby yeah we will we will i get it uh, we were tying it into the hype around the game it's true and it's the hypest thing of all can't wait to talk about it Thank you. It's just quite long. Yeah. Um, I thought I I swear like the video popped up and I thought he was gonna start talking as Palpatine. I, I <laughs> me also too. Thought was Star Wars related. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, Sheev's returned somehow. Again? Somehow, <laughs> Palpatine has returned. Again. Yeah. All right. You know they're gonna remake those Star Wars movies. He's got to return he's again, that, right? He's in that Obi Wan series. No, I don't. Think so. Yes, he no, fucking is. No, if he is, I'm not gonna watch the rest of it. It's as simple as that. I think it makes makes more sense for him to show up in that than it does the Rise of Skywalker, honestly. Sure, but does he need to? No, if he's a living alone not. in the desert doing his own thing, why does the Emperor of the Galaxy need look, to show man, up? Look, man, if it's an if it's an interpretation in the vein of like all the shots of him on Coruscant and Robot Chicken, I'm into it. Oh, if we're just gonna like make a bullshit show, then yes, absolutely. Well, we know we know that Obi Wan leaves the planet. That's that's part of the show. He's going to leave the planet. Then I guess sure, the whole thing on Tatooine. The emperor. No. Either. No. Either way. Come I on. But, I mean, well, we well if if Darth Vader. Sorry, but if Darth uh, Vader is in it, because you know, he is. He could talk to the emperor. Sure. Sure. That was my assumption when I said. It. Sure. I guess I just want things to just stay out. You know, that's a Boba Fett story right there, guys. <laughs> Watch that thing of Boba Fett we talked about. No, it's a book. <laughs> Novella. We have some links. Ben. Yeah, you have two parts, two new parts for on the Grayson Lives channel that are linked I below. That I do. We continue on with uh, Super Mario 3D World, and we got better. Yeah, you did. I've I've, yeah. I've been catching up. I've been keeping up with the series. <laughs> awesome. One of them was very painful to watch when you just guys kept dying. Yeah, quite a lot. Yeah, games are hard. That um, was after we had about a say a month off before between recordings because of the holidays and stuff happens. and uh i have some links as well um my screen rent work course is linked below you can check out my author page some new articles went up obviously this week but 
a John Cena article, a Spider-Man article, a Battlestar Galactica article, which I'm very happy with. I think that one turned out pretty good, if I have to, if I do say so myself. I'm happy to say, happy to do that one. Um, and a Star Trek Picard list dropped. Also, I'm doing some Star Trek Picard lists uh, leading up to the series, which drops this Thursday. Um, so that also did an Ivan Reitman one, which I was happy to do because nobody had done it post mortem, so I, I was able to to do that. Um, a lot of fun there. Check those out if you'd like. Um, and my revisiting the Infinity Saga series had another uh, article put up on Atomic Geekdom. That's linked below. Uh, I talked about the first post-credit scene of the MCU, which is the, you know, I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. It's Nick Fury talking to Tony Stark. Um, kind I, of like. Uh, I'm very curious what the, your top list is going to be because I would put this moment in one of my top lists because this is the start of like the Avengers stuff. So I'm very curious what your top list is going to be. My so. You know, it, it's not, to be fair, the countdown was not my idea. It's not meant to be a countdown initially. The only one that I had, the only one that I had set were the were the top two. Those are the ones like one and two have to be these two. Oh. And then everything, and then everything else was, a uh, was just kind of there. Not really necessarily. It was Atomic Geekdom who decided to make it a countdown. That's okay. fine. It's their site. It's their prerogative. Okay. Now, now they make that, that makes sense then. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily, um, and I'm just kind of going back through the order that I had. But the top two, those are the ones that were like, those are the important ones that needs to be like, this is the this is the one and this is the other one. Gotcha, that makes sense. Um, Fakeners Watch had two series dropped dropped this week. Peacemaker season one. Put up a Peacemaker season one review. We talked about the whole series. A lot of fun. I got my Check. mom to watch Peacemaker. Nice. She loves John Cena, so I'm like, he's half naked in that show a lot. That's he, a good excuse. Peacemaker has been surprisingly accessible. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for it because like she's not like super in like superhero shit but i'm like it is superhero based but it's mostly about people trying to become better people and john cena's really good in it emma so, mo shows up i can't spoil that for her though right that's true <laughs> my um, mom loves jason Moe. she's gonna freak out totally <laughs> Megan, megan's sister messaged us this week i don't think i told you this yet or we did tell you and and was like so i found out that if you start the Suicide Squad at six thirty. You can finish Peacemaker at two a.m. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> on that thing, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, that was. I there's a John Cena list up on my screen right stuff. If you guys care. Um, and my uh, Star Trek Discovery Star Trek Discovery series I'm doing with Michael Carls of the Diamond Nerdy Podcast and Cookie of Just a Little Podcast returned. Uh, this this past episode. About episode nine, that's up now. Um, that was fun to talk about. This, the latest episode, episode 10, will be up soon. Um, we recorded that. Fair warning, that one's mostly just us goofing off because we didn't really have a lot to say about the episode, but we we're like, we should do one anyway. Those are sometimes um, the best ones. I just haven't, yeah. So um, that you're saying that's the one that's going to come out, yeah. So, is it getting better? We liked this episode, this past oh, good. episode. Okay, good, good. Well, because eight and nine, you said we're just kind of like existing. So I was yeah. wondering, like you said, you didn't have a lot to say. So I'm like, is it is it improving? It 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 was weird because like we we all three liked the episode. It's a fun episode. It's enjoyable, but there wasn't any forward momentum in the plot. So there really wasn't to, anything to dig into. And that's like three episodes in a row where that's happened, right? Pretty much. Cool. Star Trek Picard's this week, though. Cool. <laughs> right? I'm actually excited for Star Trek Picard, to be fair. Like, the trailer's got me. I'm I'm hopeful. Um, all right, that's it. That's all the links. Who wants to go first of the week? I'll right, do one more. Isn't there one more link? Is there one more link? 
my uh um did my list your article go up this week or was that last week am i miss oh it did you put up an article at 4 a.m and i completely forgot to put it on there i'm so sorry oh yeah <laughs> i forgot to I'm, I'm sorry. i was like wait did i do that this week or did i not yeah you did yes there is an there for the audio listeners there will be an osg article linked below uh sorry live people and yeah, so, sorry guys. Yeah, just go to uh, oldschoolgamer.com. It's about the whole Nintendo eShop news that dropped last week. Uh, we didn't talk about it in the main show because we're going to be talking about it in a future episode of Base Barricade. So look forward to that in the future. All right, so that's all the links now. Who wants yeah. to go first of the week? I'll go first. I watched a surprising amount of movies this week for once. Mm-hmm. Yay, 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 yay. Thanks, Megan. Uh, we got together and we were like, let's do some films and we did uh, cinema you Hobbs say. and Shaw I watched Hobbs and Shaw, Hobbs and Shaw again today uh, because Megan had never seen it so we watched it and I like that movie quite a bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh how did she feel because I know she was a virgin she, she enjoyed it like a being a not as in deep but has seen them all and is a casual enjoyer of the fast franchise uh I think we both agreed on like the thing that's cool about this one is that it has a villain in a Idris Elba that is engaging to follow, mm-hmm. uh, which outside of Charlie Saron is a little sparse in the mm-hmm. franchise. And he's a Superman. Uh, yeah, uh, and and that being used that to flesh out thematically the the sense of family for both of the characters is pretty good. Uh, not bad. Like honestly, I think if if it was a if it was an action film made entirely out of the Fast franchise, it might have been received even better. I think it's it's a good action movie. I think existing within the trappings of the Fast franchise puts like certain expectations and certain things that they felt they had to do with Mm -hmm. the film that are like, man, if you could have just like made a Statham Johnson movie, I wonder what that would have looked like. But you also want the pretense of who those characters are and their relationship to each other. So it's like, true. But I like it. Um, We watched Spencer. Does anybody know what Spencer is? Yeah, the Kristen Stewart film, right? Yes. About Princess Princess Diana on the Christmas vacation before her and uh, her husband publicly split. Did she, because the Oscar noms, did she get nominated for an Oscar? Does anybody remember? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to look I think it she up. got snubbed. Because I know people really wanted her for that movie. Yeah, um, she's great. Uh, she's sometimes absolutely unrecognizable in the role. Yeah. Um, a decent amount of time you can still see her, and there's certain mannerisms that I think through no fault of... Kristen Stewart's are mannerisms she created for Bella that also just happen to be mannerisms that Princess Diana did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's kind of a continuity thing there for her acting that's like, well, that's weird. But it is things Princess Diana did. So she did a really good job recreating her based off archival footage. They acknowledge up front that um, like they open it with the word fable. She so is they, nominated. Good. Oh, she, yeah. she should be. Yeah, she is. The, um, if I remember, the film was the film itself was snubbed, but she got it. Uh, the cast is really, really solid. You've got um, Sally Hawkins from Shape of Water mm-hmm. uh, as her oh, main yeah. confidant. Um, one I really want to shout out because he's like, um, he's probably the most interesting character that isn't Princess Diana in the movie. Because again, like this is only focused on this. They picked such an interesting point in time because it's just focused on this Christmas vacation weekend. It is based on things they know to be true about like just in general, how she was feeling about the family at the time and what the history had been up to that point, but is acknowledging upfront. The movie says the definition of the word fable at the beginning. And it's all based in, you know, like a fabrication of a tragic event and all these kinds of things. So it it acknowledges that they are making things up 
but they're basing it on still things we know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like, you know, what you're seeing in the family's interactions are not verbatim because nobody knows exactly what the interactions were that holiday weekend. Um, but the uh, Timothy Spall, does anybody remember who Timothy Spall is? Yeah. yeah. Um, for, for anyone who doesn't, uh, your most famous Peter Pettigrew from Harry the Potter. Harry Potter films. He's a rat um, man. He, oh, yeah. You haven't seen him for a while. Lost a shit ton of weight. Mm -hmm. Yes, he has. Shit ton. Um, almost not recognizable at this point. He plays uh, Major Alistair Gregory, who is basically this dude who's who was brought in by the Queen. He used to serve in the uh, in the armed services, and he's brought in by the Queen to essentially contain Diana's uh, outbursts so that the press will never see it mm -hmm. and try and get her back on a regimen and at least keep a hard watch either through his own uh, presence or through the presence of people who work for him. And he has the best interactions with her because progressively throughout the film, he it becomes very clear that all he really feels is pity. Mm. Uh, all he feels for her is just pity. Um, and he's doing what he has to do, but like, good god and but the thing is like he never says that to her it's not something he ever expresses directly to her but you can tell he's just each scene he has with her he's just more and more just sad for her yeah. and it's it's really tough um they do a lot of stuff with it if, it if it's very triggering for you they do a lot of stuff with her um anorexia uh mm. that she developed out of her anxiety and there's a lot of that that was a big part of what was going on at this time period. And the other thing is that um, they make reference to the fact that she threw herself down a flight of stairs twice. Um, they represent it in a, in a specific way, but they don't like show graphically anything of, of what she does. But um, it's a really it's a really bleak look. But I found there's something powerful in the fact that they chose to do the point in time that they did, that it's almost for the moment, like for the story they're telling of the movie, she kind of gets a happy ending at the end mm -hmm. mm. for the purposes of the story they're telling. Yeah. The um, which was really nice. Anyway, I highly recommend it. It's very, very interesting. What very was it creative. Uh, this is available on um, Amazon prime yeah. and Hulu right now, I think. Cool. cool. Um, but I really, really enjoyed watching it. Um, really great use of music to, uh, honestly like it, it's so impressive because the the first 20 minutes of the film i'm like this is this is how a 24 horror films start like the way they do the shots the way they do the looming presence of the music and everything i'm like nothing nothing of a horror movie is of a standard horror movie is going to happen but it's just this oppressive feeling you get about when the queen arrives what the queen is thinking even when she's not in the room because of who else is in the room and what they're doing uh really great um I also watched The Lovebirds. Does anybody remember this one? This is the yep. Kumail Nanjani Issa Rae film right. where they are in a car and a guy says, I'm a cop because he has to go chase the guy that they hit with a car and then he kills him and they get afraid that people are going to blame them. So they go on the run. Um, it has very much want to be date night vibes mm -hmm. in a good way. Um, mm -hmm. I think it falls a little short in some ways, but the chemistry and interaction between Nanjani and, and Issa Rae's characters are good enough that it carries it through any of its weak points. I had a good time. Definitely, like, it's fun to watch. Um, yeah. It's not it's not laugh out loud crazy, uh, but it's it's good. Like, worth a watch one. Worth, worth one watch, yeah, for sure. If you were interested in it before, it's more or less what you'd expect of that, but it's it's 
still good if you like those actors. Uh, Issa Rae should be in more things. Did I tell you that? You, yes, yes. Uh, did I tell you that I recently I recently rewatched State Night a couple weeks ago? I don't think so. Now it's, I I want to watch it again, and I think Megan actually hasn't seen it. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, it, it made me want to watch it again. That's a uh, Steve Carell, uh, Steve Carell, Steve Carell, Steve Carell, and uh, Tina Fey, right? Yeah. Well shot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I think Date Night is maybe a better version of a similar script to this, but I still really like what was here. Yeah, nice. Uh, I hesitate to even say this really, but I played Elden Ring really big air quotes on that one. Like mm. I dabbled in the opening area of Elden Ring is what I really did. Right. I created a character. I walked around a bit. I got, got my your... shit. I got my shit kicked in by the very first boss that you're not supposed to fight He's... at all. It, what's great. I played a little bit Elden Ring. So I'm just going to dive in just a little bit. He's not even the first boss. He's the first per he's the first NPC you meet when you walk into the open world. The very first one. And he is as hard as a boss is. Uh, and that is what I love about the game. It's like you shouldn't be here, leave. <laughs> and you can you can try again and you can try again, you can try again. But after a while, you're going to lose unless you're like an OP gamer, like people who can speed run this game. Yeah. It's like you need to leave and come back when you're more powerful. Yeah. And that is all of Elden Ring. Yeah, uh, it is. It is the best parts of Dark Souls made into an entire game. I I approached it with my full like open sense of naivete, and I walked right on down because it's got like a golden ray of light like pointing this direction. I'm like, I guess I go talk to this dude on this horse. He'll probably tell me something <laughs> cool. And then like, there's a moment where he just stops and stares at you, and I'm staring back at him. And then he gets I made a ready. terrible mistake. <laughs> and he just <laughs> runs me down. Uh, yeah. So like. You've played, you said like 40 minutes. Yeah. I played two and a half hours, but in the breadth of how much there is in this game, I've played as much as he has, truly. Sure, like I truly, I, I have not beat the first boss yet. The first boss isn't even really a first boss. There are five like real bosses. That's the goal of the game. It is very much Breath of the Wild style where like you have to go tackle these things, everything else you can do when you want, however you want. Mm -hmm. Some of them will be way more difficult than others. But uh, Ben, you've played, you've played Dark Souls games before. Um, the thing that makes this game so incredible is it's, it is kind of like single narratively driven. Like you have to go this way. And if you can't beat this boss, you just have to beat that boss and to move on. That's what you got to do in this game. You can fight a boss and, and if you're not ready, you just leave. You can teleport at any time mid fight. Ooh. That is a thing that no other open world game does. Like they want you to be in combat and you can't teleport to leave. They're like, listen, if you aren't ready, don't worry, baby, you can leave. Because, like, when you have to give yourself, like, 100% to this game. Uh, otherwise, you will not get anywhere, truly. You have to read all the item descriptions. You have to talk to all the NPCs because there is not really a story here. That's not the point of this game. It's about being a good video game. Um, and the, 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 the scores are so high. This is one of the top three highest rated games of all time now. In, in like, on Metacritic and all that shit. Like, mm -hmm. this is the real deal. And it's really sad because Horizon came out last week. And this is the exact same thing happened to Horizon five years ago when Breath of the Wild came out, because that came out right after it, too. Uh, so whenever Horizon 3 comes out, I'm excited for whatever new open world game comes out a week after that game, because that's the future. Um, Poor Horizon, they just can't catch a break. It's truly sad. Um, uh, do you have any more about Elden Ring? No, I know you no, haven't done no, much. No, no, not specifically. Not I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to dabble. Uh, I look forward to doing more of it to whatever extent that it will take me yes. I, i'm i'm here for the ride honestly i just want us like this is a game like brandon i know you'll never play this game but this is truly like one of the most like accessible like you get five of your friends and just go roam the countryside beating up monsters 
and it is truly an open world view. Just go do what you want with your homies. You're probably going to die, but you'll have fun doing it. And that's the dream. That's what I've always wanted for this franchise. And now it's here. So I can just like, hey, we're going to start at the beginning of this game. I'll summon you in and let's go mow shit down and we'll probably die. But it's. I'm very happy for all the gamers that are happy. Yeah. And guess what? You, you you're not part of it you're one of them now. um you can go back to your week that's all thank you yeah uh I'm, I'm happy to have it i'm happy to be here uh it looks great it's beautiful i love it on my ps5 it looks oh great. my god yeah i i posted like a 30 second video on twitter uh of like because you can double jump with your horse you can also there's like boost points to make you jump like hundreds of feet into the air and you just you're so high up in the air and you see the entire game and i'm like fuck <laughs> PS5. <laughs> uh, I also watched because of Brandon's glowing recommendation about it, and me feeling like I love the underdog. I watched uh, Assembled Making of the Eternals. Oh, I yeah. too. Uh, I appreciate that movie even more, and I want to watch it again because I like the Eternals, and I think there was there was real good stuff in yeah. there. I wish it could have shined through just a little better. I, I will I will say I haven't watched all the assembled things and there are and there are various degrees of how many of how much like Brent you've talked about like how much of like like uh, smelling their own shit they are about like the product yeah. they're making I I still did feel that in this in this Eternals one yeah um and there are some things like especially with like the lighting and shit I'm like man come on guys really um mm-hmm. but like this definitely was a one where like this feels like they're making a movie and not just a product. Yeah. Uh, and that is the thing that I did feel with Chloe Zhao directing this. And like all the actors involved and I'm like, I'm glad they're trying at least. Right. Yeah. There was the sense that I had when, when watching uh, the other assembled things, especially the TV shows that they don't talk about any of the hurdles they went through, any of the things that they were trying to like overcome. Yeah. But I didn't feel like any of that was missing from the Eternals one. I just kind of felt like they were highlighting how different Eternals was attempting to be. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, Plus, worth it alone for the description of Brian Tyree Henry trying on his costume. Yes. Uh, so sweet. Beautiful. Um, I also watched the latest episode of The After Party. Uh, that's that show. It's about that. everybody telling their own little film narratives about what happened that night. This time, it was about the detective. Um, I really enjoy The After Party. It's great. It's coming to its conclusion next week. Very happy. Uh, enjoying it. Um, based on this episode, I now think that they're probably going to do another season at some point that will be about Tiffany Haddish's detective going to another crime scene and doing the same thing. Uh, it would not shock me if that ever happens um, because they made her focal character for this episode. And I'm like, uh, I could definitely see us taking this character further. Yeah. Um, How I Met Your Father, a new episode came out this week. It was cool. I enjoy it. I'm glad it's there. Moxie. Does anybody remember that movie? Because that's another movie I watched this week. This is the Amy, Amy Poehler directed, yes, Netflix movie. Yes. About them starting the uh, feminist magazine at mm-hmm. the school. I remember this. I, yeah. This was a really cool thing. Um, they, Amy Poehler clearly wanted to like speak to the moment of the rise in feminism and things like that. It's a little unfortunate that it's put through the perspective of a young white teenager. Yeah. And the only reason why I think this is a bit of a bummer on the film is I don't think that's inherently a, a, a negative. Like it's the focus is not on revolutionary, like minorities, although that is like an undertone of it. It's about feminism and women, how they're mistreated and holy shit. Are these like the worst 
the, this is like the worst high school ever. <laughs> like <laughs> it is, it is pumped up to make that feminism thing. Like, I can't believe people weren't doing this sooner uh, because you are at a school where like for the past 25 years, they have all supported like the high school bros posting, whether it was like as an actual flyer. Now it's like a text message that everybody gets a list describing all the women in the school as like most bangable, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, whatever they are. And everybody's like obsessed with it because everybody's just part of the culture that accepts it mm-hmm. at the school. And the principal loves it. The principal's a female, totally fine with it, totally fine with the jock quarterback, not trying to push forward the female narrative, gets told by a student that, hey, um, one of the, the quarterback of the high school football team is harassing me, which he was. And she's like, do you mean he's bothering you? Mm. And like, it is on that level. It is a lot of that. It is a lot of that really heavy handed in that way, which is fine. It's making a point. It's cool. It's not a problem. Um, what I think is a bummer is that the main girl who is driving all of this and creates Moxie, which becomes the women's magazine to like propel it forward and everything. She decides to be anonymous when she starts. But the thing that motivated her to start was watching how the new girl at school who is black was being mistreated and stood up to the guy who was mistreating her, which was the quarterback of the high school football team. And in watching her do it, tried to tell her before she started the magazine, you know, if you keep your head down, he'll just move on. She's like, why should I have to keep my head down? I'm going to keep my head up. And felt like, man, she's right. She's real cool. I should do the thing. Again, not inherently bad. Her spirit is inspired by the revolutionary spirit of the black girl. Cool. But almost immediately, that girl gets blamed for creating the magazine. And rather than take any of that off of her, she remains anonymous throughout the rest of the film until the very, very end. And while that pressure is put on a, a that girl and then another non-white girl <laughs> in this movie who get blamed for this magazine that she created, she remains anonymous for no specific reason. Is this based on a true story? Yeah. No, it's not. Oh. Um, it's it's based. Mm-hmm. It, it's not based on any specific true story. Okay. It's probably based on like things, yeah. but not on any specific true okay. story. Yeah. Um, that is part of the reason why I see a lot of people talking about like, it was real good. It's kind of weird that it's shoved completely through the revolutionary mindset of a young white teenage girl. When there are two other people of color who take the blame for the magazine existing uh, up to the conclusion of the film and i think that there's some reasonable criticism of that 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 just wasn't handled the best i think mostly because they never give good justification for why she remains anonymous other than she's introverted mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's the part that's a little hard to swallow on it um other than that it's still it, i i liked it it's a good watch um it's very heavy-handed but i don't think that's a bad thing i think it's being very direct with what it's wanting to tackle and i don't think that's bad um last thing elden ring is not the only game i played this week i played destiny 2 the entire campaign of the forsaken expansion in a single day and i did it because it's so old that they made me op anyway so i could just go through it yeah. which is great for me because i just wanted to get the story in before it was wiped away yeah, which when it was I, uh, on tuesday when i got back into it sometime in the pandemic yeah i was like they start you at just what are at a new level with your old character. So like all the, it was relaxed because all the missions that I was doing is like, Oh, I can just play them. Yeah. I don't have to work towards them. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
that worked out great. And I just want to talk about it real quick because that story is all about the murder of Cade Six and then you taking sub- subsequent vengeance. Oh man, that was Cade Six a is the character vo- uh, voiced by Nathan Fillion. He's too expensive. Uh, that's why he's not in it anymore. One of my favorite characters, and he got murdered. Yep. Um, and so you have to go kill the eight barons, essentially Captain Ginyu, of this one <laughs> dude, and then go kill that dude. And you gotta do a couple of little things for this other like informant dude so he'll tell you where those barons are um but it was real great because it was basically like eight focused boss levels that i was playing through um where you're doing a bunch of shit and then you fight the boss at the end and they're all very different with their combat style so you have to kind of figure out your way and they give you a sick as shit bow at the very beginning so i was just murdering people um and it feels so good because it's bungee mm-hmm. uh i might be going back into destiny uh nice. is my my long and the short of it. it. It won't happen immediately, but this is probably the path to me playing. You wait long enough, they'll have another expansion. Yeah. Like, honestly, like they come out like every, every like six months. Well, Witch's Queen just came out. No, I know. And if you wait six <laughs> months, another one will come another out. Another one will come out. Yeah. And it'll wipe away uh, uh, Shadow Keep. Shadow Keep. Or yeah. whatever uh, the next one is that's that's on the chopping block. Did I'm you pay for that content? Play. Too bad. It's gone. Did you? This is the, the horse, right? No, the horse is from Beyond Light, which I have not gotten to. It just made me play that part because I'd opened up the game with the Beyond Light update. I see. Uh, but it's not what I'm actually playing through right now. I played through old, old campaign stories. Gotcha. Really cool. Uh, really cool campaign. Really enjoyed it. Um, this is the first thing I've played that was basically like totally in the hands of Bungie's narrative team. Mm-hmm. This is the first thing that they played that that they made that was like really really when they were separate from EA, really hands off uh, from them. Yeah, and uh, because of that, it felt like it had a lot more personal touch on it. And if that's the case, this makes me really want to dive back in, yeah, wholeheartedly to Destiny because if this is the direction things are going, this is the direction I want to play. That yeah, game. it's it's unfortunate because like there's just so much content now, and I just know I'm never going to catch up. With, it's not with, it's with, not accessible. It's not onboarding. Yeah, especially if you haven't been there from the beginning. But like now. If you're in, if you're in Destiny, it is like it is it is the shooter that I've always wanted. Like you are getting almost weekly story content missions. You're getting almost bi-monthly big like content expansions. And then like the Witch Queen comes out, which is like the big yearly expansion. Like new class. You can play as like a new race. You can play as like the villains now and like for the good guys. That makes me want to come back yeah, more playing sure. as a mother effing robot man. Um, but it's just like a hundred hours of content that I have to get through. And I'm like, I like other games. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I got Elden Ring. I, I yeah, it's, it's for sure. Like that's hard, the thing. Man. It's like uh for, for me it's all I love the lore, I love the the feel of the world, I love the look. Yeah. I, I don't know what my destiny path forward will necessarily be, but I was very happy Excuse that me. I what your destiny is. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you're you're right. Uh I don't know what my destiny with destiny is. Um <laughs> but I'm I'm really, really pleased, and I didn't think I would be, that I carved out six and a half hours to play through the entire campaign of that expansion yeah. before it was vaulted forever. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe, because honestly, I think this was like my my bridge of, you know, if I don't do this, it's probably done. I'm probably out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, because I've cared about the story. I'd only missed one piece of story prior to this that got vaulted before I could finish it, which was the Warmind section. I didn't get to that part before it was gone. And I was like, man, you care about this story. Do you want to do it? And I'm really, really glad I did. Nice. Look at that. Yeah. So Destiny's pretty cool, guys. Yeah. Now PlayStation owned. That's it. 
Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, Mag's in the chat, and he said he just came back from watching The Godfather for the first Ooh. time in the for his first viewing in theaters. I, I had a, I have a story about that that reminds me. Uh, real quickly, Jeremy and I, friend of the show, Jeremy, we went to go see. There was this Sparks. You remember the theater, the Golden State Theater? There was a theater that would show like old movies. He and I went to a double feature of The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Beautiful. Started at seven. We came home at one in the morning. Yeah, those are long movies. My They're parents like were not happy because they didn't know that it was a double feature. I guess I forgot to tell them. Whoops. But it was fun. I'm glad I was, did, we did the Lord of the Rings trilogy in that same theater. Like nice, all all one go. That's that's the dream. Yeah, I, uh, that's the only that's the uh, that's the first time I ever saw The Godfather's. But way 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 back then, I still have not seen the third one. I've only seen those two. You're fine. You're right. That's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Good movies. Anyway, Ben? Yeah. Uh, so, my week. Um, a little, tiny little bit of video gaming happened, and that was on Monday, and that's when I got my teeth kicked in by the Tower Knight in, in Demon Souls. The last FromSoft game. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. But And then uh, the rest of the week, I didn't do a whole lot because I I had deadlines to meet, and thankfully, I, meet, I met those deadlines, so I'm free! And I also until the next ones. Until the next yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till the next ones. But also, I have news. I have glorious news. Um, I'm getting published officially sooner than I thought. So Fusion Gaming Magazine, my very first article, it's about how Mar the Mario series perfected platforming over the years, is getting published in the next episode, issue 31, which is coming out, I believe, next month. Beautiful. So yay! That was that was some really good news to wake up to. And yeah, so what else? What I did, uh, I went to a wedding yesterday. That was really fun. Congratulations to a happy couple. And of course, and Amy is in the chat and she's who signed your hat, Ben, or is it just a graphic on there? Uh, yeah, someone did sign my hat. I went to SoCal Gaming Expo today and I met Gerard the Completionist Khalil and he signed my, my hat. All right, cool. And you remember we met him like four years ago at the last SoCal Gaming Expo? No, we didn't meet him at that one. He wasn't at, he wasn't there. We met somebody. We met someone. We met somebody famous there. I, yeah, we definitely met the completionist there. I don't think we did. I will remember that. I was with you, Ben. I know. I will remember. I don't think it was the completionist, though. Who else would it have been? He's the only person who completes games. That's what we talked to him about. <laughs> My memory's bad, but I've only been to one SoCal Gaming Expo. I promise you, the only famous person I talked to was the completionist. <laughs> well, well, anyways. He roll was the tape. <laughs> Anyways, he was an absolute blast to talk to. He was really nice. I gave him my business card, and of course, I invited him onto a pause menu. And, and he's already been on pause menu. You son of, don't you dare! <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, besides that, I I had a good time. This was the first convention I've been to in over two since COVID started. Um, originally, the mask rules were like you have to wear a mask. Um, that was set by the, at the convention center, but I guess maybe they relaxed the rules because once I got inside, some people were wearing masks because some people were not. I decided to wear mine the entire day just because I want to be extra safe. Other than that, um, it was fun, but I, I miss going to conventions. And also I completely forgot. It's like, I should have brought more money because of course there's a whole bunch of stuff there that I was like, oh, bank account, forgive me. But luckily I didn't spend all my money. So there's that, okay, and I got some pretty good games that um that are that were um that I wanted that were in really good condition, and got them for less than what they should have been. So woohoo for that! Beautiful. Very cool. Yeah. So pretty much that that was my week, and 
Thank you, Amy. Appreciate that. Uh, Ryan? No, you can go. Okay. Um, I didn't do a whole lot. What was was the UK's parks? Yeah. Okay. I didn't do a whole lot. I was very busy this week. Um, I fell behind on my on my deadlines. Um, but uh, so most of what I did was today, actually. Um, I did, however, find time to sit down with Zara and watch the Babysitters Club, the second season. It's a cute little show. That's all I want to say about it. Um, we did go see Moonfall in theaters. We 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 went to theaters and saw Moonfall. That's a lot of fun. Um, you know, your mileage may vary, but I th- I had a very it's not a good movie. I had a very good time though. It's a, I, I thought. What would you rate it? I wouldn't. I can't. I saw. <laughs> right, my letterbox just has a heart because I was like, look, I enjoyed it enough to be four stars, but it's not a four star movie. Coward so, like, to say it's four stars. It it's not good. I, I love bad movies. Call it four stars. I, I might. I, I had a very good time. It, there's a little bit of a, a of a of a not necessarily a pacing issue, but a tonal issue towards the end. Because there's like characters are dying, but also excellent action sequence happening in space. Character dying, action sequence, and they're like Earth space. I'm like, okay, but we should be in the action. We shouldn't be cutting away from the action at this moment. We should be cutting up at it either later or before this. Um and like once again reaffirmed the fact that Roland Emmerich really wants to make a, a, a really dumb aliens versus man in space movie, but he for some reason keeps pitching the prequel to that movie and he'll never get to make the movie he actually wants to make. Does he do a game is on at the end? One hundred percent. They're like, Roland, Okay, let's get ready. Let's get ready. Roland, Roland, what are you doing? It's the same ending as Independence Day two. You know what he should do? He should just do like the split glass thing where it's like, that's like, this they're is connected. The, they're connected Cloverfield style. God. And then Jeff Goldblum shows up at the end. Like, oh, I, think, I think you went on the better numbers. You should just do the next Cloverfield. You should just do the next Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the, th- the thing is like, I remember, like, I like Independence Day too. It's a terrible movie, but it's a lot of fun. Um, right. uh, but like. Like half of Roland Emmerich's filmography. Right. And like. It ends with the, like we're going to space, and so like I'm really bummed we didn't get that third movie. And then Moonfall ends with like, okay, now we gotta. Do you guys care about the lore of Moonfall? No, hundred percent. How dare you even ask me? So here's like I'm I will see it. So like don't tell me everything, but like the game is on. Okay, well you know uh, I can say this: the moon is artificial. That's yeah, yeah, the trailers. Yeah, yeah. The tra- um, and there's an alien AI thing attacking the moon. Yeah, yeah. That thing is is like attacking all bioorganic life in the galaxy. And that's not the only thing of it. So like oh. at the end of the movie, they're like, now let's go get the rest. And then Liam Hemsworth from so, Independence Day. So shows what up. you're saying is <laughs> I just want to extrapolate. So what you're saying is that he made the same pretense that he did for Independence Day 2, but with even less visually interesting aliens to fight. Yes. Damn! What a <laughs> right? <laughs> what a and he and he and he's right. Like Marvel movies are the problem. Like the thing is, like the thing is, there's a really cool, there's a really cool space space like fight sequence in this movie that I was really into. But I was like, you know, you just do this like for a whole movie. I'm there, but you're never going to get to do it because you keep wanting to make this movie first. We don't need the prequel role. That just do the stupid one. He always thinks he'll get another one. Like, yeah, you shouldn't. Um, anyway, it's a lot of fun. If you guys want to go see it, go see it. Like, it's stupid, but it's fun. Um, definitely, I will see it when it is available on my television. That is a good call. Yeah. 
Uh, can you bring up Amy's? I most certainly can. So she's like, on the movies topic, are you guys going to watch the new Batman? I got tickets next week. I keep seeing trailers, but I can't decide if I'm into it. Amy, oh. we hate Batman on this podcast. We're never watching Batman. Ever. What podcast are you watching? Amy, not only are we too hyped for the Batman, we are seeing it as soon as we possibly can. It's uh, it's our next topic. Next week's topic is the Batman. Yep, next I, week's the I Batman. Love, I love that like, uh, time is a lake and like I keep forgetting things are happening, but like on Friday, I was like, I'm seeing Batman in a week. Holy mm-hmm. shit. And now we're Sunday. We're even closer. Reviews are so far over pretty good. So like, here we go. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to my, my thing. So, um, you know, really, really just wanted to make Independence Day 3. I really wanted to make Independence Day 3. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I watched Lord Slug, Dragon Ball Z Lord Slug. I watched that earlier today. Um, ben, you'll, you'll, you'll probably know the abridged version of it. Um, I'm not wrong. Is he wrong, is he wrong though? <laughs> See, I know you. It's never not funny. Dragon Ball Z. Because I have seen the Boo Saga, and that's why I started watching DBZ. I just. Nah, Lord Slug good. is Star so. Lo, Lo, Lord Slug is so far, so long before the Boo Saga, dude. It's like decades. No, I know. Um. Lord Slug is for those of you who don't know, it's basically a re- it's basically a movie version of the King Piccolo saga, almost verbatim. Um, and it's and weird that they frame it the way like the Funimation dub. I don't know if this is the sub. I've never seen the sub, but like the Funimation dub makes it seem like they know what a Namekian is at the time. They they understand the Namek. King Kai even says, "Oh my God, he turned Super Saiyan." All of which was not the case at the t- at the only time frame that this movie could exist. So like you know, once again, can't exist in the continuity of the, of the show. It's like a, it's like a proto Super Saiyan. Yes, there's a there's a, a proto Super Saiyan in the movie before he goes Kaioken. Anyway, I didn't remember it being so funny. I actually thought it was pretty funny. There's a there's a bit that I thought was only the abridged version, and I was shocked to see it in this movie. Where it's the bit with like the the bigger the bigger guy with the wings, the dragon guy gets like shot off a building, and then he goes inside the thing. Now the abridged version is he gets shot off the building, goes inside, gets shot off the building again, goes inside. Okay, I'm gonna wait here, and then we just like outside, and Piccolo and Piccolo is like, "What's up?" Yeah, yeah. That's in the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Mag is saying the only Namekian that can go giant. Is he's a super namic. Um We need more, more big, true. more Piccolo, big boys. Piccolo did it. King Piccolo did it, right? In the in the Piccolo saga. Piccolo Junior did it. Did he? Yeah. Been, it's been far longer since I've seen Dragon Ball than Pic- Dragon Piccolo Ball Z. Junior does it. Interesting. In the final tournament. With yeah, the, the end of Dragon Ball. Yeah, in the movie, they say that he's he he's a super namic. He's like <clears> a yeah. special special like hybrid namic. Yeah, I oh, mean, God, that's why Kirkland in the in the bridge is like super. God damn it! Yeah, that's yes. Yeah. Now, see, all the jokes are coming to him. He's remembering the jokes and he's getting Shut context up. to the jokes. Anyway, well, makes Lord sense. Lord good. I yeah. remember liking it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, what I was saying was, like, I just didn't know. I just didn't realize that moment was in the movie, and that was very funny. Yeah. Um, cool. On to Cooler's Revenge. Good. Um, and I finished just earlier today. I was like, oh my goodness, I have a day off for the first time in a week. I'm gonna do something. I'll finish Kill a Kill. Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent show. Okay. Wonderful show. When Sparks said yes, he was like total Palpatine there for a hot second. Yes. Yes. Um wonderful show. It is not better than Gurren Logan, in my opinion. 
Um, McGurn Logan hits all my buttons. They got like space and max and whatnot. But there's some well, you're, really. You're a, you're a boy, and kill a kills made for girls to feel powerful. Yeah, uh, it's excellent. It's an excellent show. Um, wild, bonkers. Um, I was totally, totally enraptured in it. Um, I, I, everything, most everything that happened towards the end was very unexpected, and I loved following that journey and kind of bouncing around with what was happening in the plot. Um, that ending is wild. Yeah, it is. Uh, th- there's some really cool stuff in it. It's a, it's uh, everything I wanted it to be and more. Um, I, I like I mentioned, I love trigger anime, and I haven't seen this one. Um, no, I had. I'm very excited that I finished it. I love it. I'm sad that there's not more. I didn't feel that way about Gurren Logan, but this one was like, I'd watch an episode where they're just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, you know, that's not what the anime is about. Good stuff. Ryan? Cool. So I played Two and a Half Hours of Elden Ring. That game's great. I can't wait to play that for the rest of my life. I listened to 13 hours of an audiobook in about two days. Because when you work an eight-hour job, you can just do that. It's very easy. So last week I said, yo, guys, I'm going to get invested into Star Wars, colon, The High Republic. Uh, so I did. And I read that book. And I'm almost done with all the comics that are on Marvel Unlimited. That's just some excellent shit all around. And let me tell you, that book, uh, not that I expected the book to like be to be bad or, or, or like childish or anything. I, for some reason, I expected it to be like fillery. And I don't know why, because it's a book. But truly... The concepts, the stuff that he, that Charles Soule is doing in this book are some of the best things I've ever read in a Star Wars anything ever. Um, just because you have the real estate to really dive into characters, into plot stuff, into force stuff. You're dealing with a time period hundreds of years before what we know. So people are, we even read in the comic, like, back there's a new thing. So, like, people are dealing with old ways of healing, very much more traditional the way we used to do it, like, bandages and shit. Whereas now, Bacta is, like aloe vera uh, uh, morphine cocaine or <laughs> just like it heals you you put it on you put it in you do whatever you want it's all you sand. bathe in it and you're good and to be in the juice <laughs> exactly um and the book it is structured in such an incredible way where um the nile it's not the nile it's a nile they make sure you get it right they'll kill you for it um there they aren't <laughs> charles first... charles soul stops the audiobook i'm gonna kill you if you don't get this yeah, for real. he's like this is an author note uh the first half of the book they're not even in it and every chapter is broken up into T minus two hours to to the, the great disaster. T minus one hour, T minus 30 minutes. So every chapter break is getting closer to when shit's about to hit the fan and you're interacting with characters moments before it happens. Charles Soule introduces a dozen characters and kills off a dozen characters like it's nothing to show how big the great disaster really is. Yeah. Um, it is awesome. The first couple chapters, like it's not a big spoiler because it's the first couple chapters, you're introduced to characters and then they immediately die. Um, it's great stuff and it is not written. It is written, you know, like, uh, like young adulty, but like, it's not holding back from any of the mature stuff. Um, uh, if you've read volume one of the high Republic, which we have, you see how the Trandoshan skier loses his arm. Uh, this is without a doubt the highest quality audiobook I've ever listened to. There is almost no moment of silence throughout the entire thing, whether there's music, footsteps, people talking in the background, lightsaber, um, humming in the background during fights, laser noises. It's truly incredible. The one thing that made me laugh lo- really loud at work, and I had to stop from being loud. Um, Wookies, Wookies, t- Wookies, roar, roar, roar. That's what Wookies sound like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in an audiobook, you're not getting a high digital class Wookie noise. You're just getting a guy to go roar, 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 roar right? <laughs> which is fine. Which is fine. Um, there's a translator. These are older translators. So um, when when you start talking to a Wookie, they'll go roar, roar, roar. How are you doing today? 
And every time it happened in the book, it made me laugh. Because when you're reading it, it's not funny. When you hear it, it's very funny. And the, the scene that made me laugh the most, in like middle of the book, there's a big action scene. And it's like the Wookiee Jedi is screaming over the comms. Betch, it's happening. And in the background, it's just a guy going, <laughs> and throughout, like, you know, like, Cad Trev, he goes to his blaster, blah, blah, blah. And just in the background, and I'm just at work trying not to laugh. Because it sounds so stupid. <laughs> it is truly stupid. Um, really funny. But really, really great shit. Um, I will I will spoil one cool thing that happens in the book. Because, like, the imagination, like, as I was reading this, I'm like, I, if I ever saw this in live action, I would lose my mind. Um, the Nile have this thing that they do. They have their own... They have their own way of using the force, but it is not the force. It is called the path. They they can navigate um, hyperspace and subspace at will whenever they want, however they want. So they're able to literally blink and out of existence like it's nothing. Also, we learn, uh, they've never said this in Star Wars before, I don't think, hyperspace uh, uh, highways are other dimensions. Every single hyperspace route is its own separate <clears throat> dimension. And that changes everything about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy shit. Um, and it's basically, like, it's basically like air currents in the ocean, you know, like in Finding Nemo, how like uh, turtles like ride the currents, yeah. that's how they are in space, they're like air currents, but those are technically other dimensions to get you faster than light travel. Uh, and it's like a throwaway thing that I'm like, Charles Soule, did you just make that up, or is that something Star Wars told you to put in? Because that's <laughs> insane. And the things that they do with that knowledge now, and the stuff with the great disaster, and using hyperspace to cause a galactic-sized ship to get destroyed and have 40 different emergence holes to destroy planets as like like a meteor shower with, with weapons that the Nile use. It's some of the coolest things I've ever read or heard in Star Wars. It's excellent. And to find to find a way to navigate th these, this hyperspace route, they have to use over 50,000 droids on a planet, all calculating at once to process the power they need to find a certain route. So every Jedi, every person in the system gets every droid on this one planet, and it's just a field of thousands of droids processing this thing. And it's so powerful that the droids are sparking out, and they have to use the Force to help calm the droids, and they make it rain to cool down the droids that are overheating. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in Star Wars. Uh, and the audiobook itself made that a 10 times better experience. Because if I was just reading it, it'd be cool. But you hear the, the Jedi using their powers, you hear the rain, you hear the droids beep lorping. Uh, it, it was like a cinematic experience in my brain. Uh, excellent work. I'm fully invested in the High Republic. I will now read all of those other books. Uh, I'm sure they're all going to be good. They're not all written by Charles Soule. I know Kevin Scott? Kevin Scott? Yeah. Uh, he wrote a bunch of them, and I liked his uh, comics. So um, I'm going to read that second book. Highly, highly recommended, y'all. Very, very good. Awesome. I am blown my mind about that hyperspace. Dude, it's thing. really like there is so much stuff, especially like the thing with the path that that, that this one specific Nile. They're like they're like reavers from Firefly. They're they're mm -hmm. uh, barbarians, you know, Mance raiders um, gathering all the tribes in Game of Thrones. Like they're barbarians in space, but they have this thing called the path, which lets them travel in and out of subspace at will. And like the battle scenes are really cool because it's 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 literally like they're popping up but like in front behind like while they're fighting and it's like this is so cool and you know something bad's gonna happen to them because we don't see that anywhere else in Star Wars so that's gotta go away mm -hmm. because if people had that now like of course they can do the thing where they're retroactively like oh they're using the path where has that been for two hundred years uh, so I can't wait to see if that ever comes into play or they just ignore that uh, I got it great stuff they're they're gonna that's they're the Uzan Vong we're gonna see them again. But they're the Uzan Vong. They could definitely, if uh, if you just want to do the same thing like again, I guess you could do that. But like they, that is, it is kind of repurposing that idea. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, they're really cool. And like specifically, it's like some of the Nihil, like they start, my biggest worry about the book was like when we are introduced to the villains, they do seem kind of like, oh, we're evil and British and we want to murder and steal and pillage. And I'm like, okay, so our villains are just barbarians. But there are subsections of the class. There are different, almost like the Mandalorian Creed, different people have different ways of treating it. Um, and there is one specific character who rises up and kind of like uh, becomes more of a leader in the Nihil that is super great. And like, by the end is kind of like radicalized. There, there are several characters who become more radicalized towards the Jedi who are more like moderate centrist and they both were sort of like the good side of evil and the side of good. Uh, and seeing those characters is really, really cool. Um, and at the end of the book, like the Nihil are kind of like, they're kind of done with, but like the, the threat of them will reemerge. So like, I don't know when they're going to come back in the comics. That's really exciting. Like the threat is always there, but like, when will they, when will they strike when they feel ready enough to strike back again? It's something I'm really, really excited to see. Um, that seems like a big like event thing that'll happen in the comics. In the yeah. books, so. um, they they've said that they're um, that the next book I guess is jumping back 150 years. Oof. Okay. I mean, at this point, like you'll just get closer to the to the old republic, and I'm like, cool, baby, just merge it all together. I'm happy. Gotta to get you more excited for that acolyte show. Honestly, yeah. Like seeing seeing like what what the book gave me. Um, Oh my god, there's so much I want to talk about. Like the 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 Chancellor, uh, she she is like the anti-Palpatine. She is truly someone who wants to unite the galaxy because like people like the quote of like the entire book is like we are all the republic. That is her quote. Like her she wants to unite everybody as one. So everyone's not hungry, everyone's united. But not everyone wants that. Like the Naya are like, who are you to say that you can subjugate us to your ideals? Like we are not. We, we are not like you and you shouldn't force that upon us. And there's some really serious and good, very minor subtext um, uh, colonialism going on with the Jedi shit that Charles Soule's really ha- weaving in where like, if you're a kid, you won't pick up on it. But like, it is true. Like they're going into uncharted territories and taking over those places saying it's for the best. That's colonialism. Um, and it's really cool to see someone with a good ideal do that and see where it eventually turns into the empire. Because you are seeing the beginnings of the good stuff slowly turn to the bad. Uh, and corruption of morality and stuff. And it's just good shit. So good. Then I am now 30 hours into Cyberpunk 2077. That is where I spend most of my week. I played like hours every day. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because this is already running long. But like <clears throat> the game is extraordinary. I love everything about it. It I, It is almost bug free for me. Thank, thank the God. The one thing that I want to talk about, the thing that has impressed me the most is um, how seamless the game is. Uh, and I think the only other game that I've ever played in my life that has been this seamless is 2018's God of War. And what I mean is like when you when you walk into a cutscene, it doesn't cut to a cutscene. Kratos just starts talking and the character starts talking. There isn't a cut. It is seamless from interaction to interaction back in the gameplay, right? The thing that is so truly incredible, and now I see why this game was so broken at launches, there are almost no cutscenes in this game whatsoever. If you walk into talk to a character to start a cutscene, they just start talking and the dialogue options pull up. You can still walk around the scene. You can do all of the character interactions. And when the dialogue is done, you leave the scene. Uh, you will go on a car ride for 15 minutes, having an entire dialogue conversation with a character, go to the spot, do the mission, drive all the way back. Not a cutscene will happen. Not a cut will happen. The hours will go by before, like, sometimes you'll do a main mission and it will cut because like, that is part of the game. But it is so... It is so insane how you are just living in a world and you will do something with a person and then you'll leave and you'll go do something else to another person and you'll just leave. And there's never a cut. It is, it's like watching, it's, it's like a movie. It feels like I'm playing a movie. Um, this is the closest gunplay 
uh, to Bungie that I could think of. Mm. The pistol specifically, I love a good hand cannon. The hand cannon in this game is radical. Uh, it is a cyberpunk game, so um, I have a power, uh, a ricochet power, where uh, with my machine gun, it has ricochet bullets. So if I point towards the ground or point towards a wall, it will show you a trajectory line of where the bullets will go. So I don't even have to shoot my enemies. I can shoot the floor, and they will ricochet to hit them. So I'm doing like crazy Neo things where I'm bing-bonging them like Cyclops against the wall. Uh, I just unlocked, with my cyber uh, hacking, Suicide, which is the highest level hack you can do in the game where you can tell someone to kill themselves in battle and they will pull out their pistol and they'll just shoot themselves in the face and y'all it feels weird every time i do it it's scary and uh uh but people are trying to kill you so like what are you gonna do it's a video game you know like you kill hundreds of people in every other video game but when you're dealing with like a specifically something called suicide make them kill themselves it's a little extra real um mm -hmm. The game is super, super emotional, and, and the character stuff is so so beautiful, and it is such a patient game. And like what I'm saying, like you are driving for 15 minutes talking to a character. I'm not exaggerating. It is 15 solid minutes of you driving across the entire map, talking to a character, having dial dialogue options. Uh, the text messaging, lots of games have phones these days. The text message aspect of this game and the real world aspect of this game has ruined me because almost every other game, it will give you a quest and it's like, oh, go talk to Barry, right? And then you don't have to talk to Barry for 100 hours if you don't want to. Um, there's a specific, specific quest where there's a cop who accidentally killed a kid, and he's really depressed inside of his house, right? So some of the neighbors ask you to talk to Barry because you're friends with Barry. His name's Barry. So you go and talk to him. You're like, all right, Barry, I'm going to come check on you next week. Is that cool? I want to make sure you're cool, right? And he's like, yeah, man, sounds good. So I leave, and I don't talk to Barry for a long, long time because in video games, real time doesn't matter. So hours later, I go and talk to Barry, and there's police tape on his door Ooh. because he killed himself because I didn't go and check on him, and I started crying <laughs> because I, it was a real conversation I had with that person of like, dude, like I did some shitty and I feel really bad about it, and like I don't know how I'm gonna take it, and I was like, don't worry, bud, I got your back, but because game design is usually so lazy, like you can come back in literally a hundred hours and he'll be the exact same spot you left him. Not this game, not this game. Uh, there's a character named uh, um, what's her name? um judy she's a hacker i love judy uh she's going through some shit her friend just got here friend just died right in the mission um i get a text from her this long message um and i didn't really read it i was on my phone right and i respond to her just okay and she says that's all you have to say that's all you have to say after everything we've been through and, she, and then she like basically chews me out and i feel like my friend just really chewed me out because any other game it wouldn't matter but that changed our relationship in the game because i wasn't actually there for her and this is the type of RPG that doesn't get made anymore. And it's why this game took seven years to make and was broken when it came out. Because it is it is so crazy. And all of this stuff happens seamlessly without a cut. Um, I'm going to stop talking now because people fall asleep. This game's great. I recommend Cyberpunk to freaking everybody. You can play it on the easiest difficulty. The story is tremendous. Um, the attention to detail is so crazy. Like, I love it so much. Uh, I'm pro I said I was going to beat Cyberpunk before I played Elden Ring. But that's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie, because Cyberpunk is is like a hundred hour RPG, and I'm only thirty hours in, so like it'll be there. A lot of gaming this week. Let's go to the nice. You got me. You got me hyped to play that. Game. It's truly. I'm really glad that. It, I'm really glad that it's gotten there. Oh, one, last, one last thing, real quick. Um, there's these side missions. The first time I showed you Cyberpunk, I had to take down a cyber psycho, and these these are these like super methed out crazy psychos. They're wandering the streets. They're super powerful, and they can do like crazy matrix moves, and they can hack you and make you kill yourself and stuff like that, right? 
after you take them out, you get a dossier on why they became the way they did. And a lot of these people are regular people who got addicted to drugs and they lost their homes, they lost their families, and they ended up on the street. So every time you kill one of these people, you're told how they ended up that way and you should feel bad about it. Man, it is one of the most sad, like, capitalist, like, corporations run the entire world in the future of cyberpunk and it's all about gang warfare on the streets and the corporate gangs run the street gangs so it's all just shitty bad stuff and it's like the worst version of like trying to make it in la you could possibly be like everyone's trying to be a millionaire uh which means you have to kill and you have to work your way to the top that's the corpo lifestyle and it's just the it's so bleak but like the beauty and the and like the the maturity and like the stuff that like again Westworld shit. We're like true like people just trying to connect as human beings uh, in this truly like destructive world of of corporate greed. It's just beautiful. It's a really great game, and I'm glad it's at a point where people can enjoy it. You yes, totally convinced Amy. <laughs> glad I won't. All right. There we go. Anything else you want to bring up before we do the news? Nope. News time. All right. Um, forgive me if I mispronounce this. Uh, right, that's the wrong. I started the wrong place. Okay. So some sad news up top. Um, some people I didn't even know passed away this week. Thanks to Sparks letting me know. Um, the amazing Jonathan, a stand-up comedian slash magician, uh, real name John Edward Zeles. Yeah. Uh, passed away at sixty-three after a long battle with heart disease. I love the amazing Jonathan. I didn't Me know. Too. That. I, I haven't watched him in a while, but I remember when I was younger, I like I I watched his like his specials like on Comedy Central on repeat. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that dude. Like magic comedy is like one of my favorite things. That's I I didn't hear about this. This is my I saw him live in Vegas years and years and years ago. Awesome. Um he was so funny. I wasn't supposed to be there because I was underage. Um and it was a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but like it was really fun. He's a cool guy. I I, I really like yeah, him. He- he had a great, great run in Vegas. Um, it, it was sad and surprising to me. I didn't know I didn't he was old. He, I didn't realize he'd gotten that old. That's exactly Because I feel like 20 saying. years ago is when I was watching him. I thought he would have been in his 20s, but I guess not. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's very sad. Big bummer. Really great magician-comedian combo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ben, did you ever see The Amazing Jonathan? I don't even know who you guys are talking about. Uh, you should look up some of his videos. Very funny. He's like a rated R his, magician comedy. His whole thing was about basically like doing magic tricks that would turn into jokes. Okay. And like he was still a fantastic magician. And like messing with the audience. He thinks that he was screwing up magic tricks all the time and then blow you away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember, I remember like my, my, just because we're on, on him, like my, my, we got tickets to go see the amazing Jonathan in Vegas and like, like I was 17. I, I was 17 at the time. Or hell, I might have been 16. Who knows? But like, my dad was like, just if they say, if they ask for your ID, just say you forgot it. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. Did not, the guy did not buy it and was like, um, and was like, oh, let me just, because we had tickets and they're not going to turn away the money. They had to refund yeah, it. Right? So like they, uh, um, the guy that's the manager was like, just don't sit at the bar. <laughs> So we, yeah, I got in. It was really fun. I remember he had that the, the really funny ditzy uh, 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 assistant too. I think that was yeah. Her, didn't he? Yeah, he had like a really like she was like oh yeah because uh, he because he would always like screw up like badly like right it would yeah. be like almost dangerously sometimes and yeah, the fun guy I miss him. Um, Kazu Hisa 
Hashimoto, uh, the video game producer and the creator of the Konami Code, mm-hmm. uh, if you know the the one, I that down uh, uh, passed away at the age of 61. Uh, they did not say how. I thought you already passed away. Apparently, not according to Sparks. Hmm, okay, because I was wrong. Well, man, uh, he's, he's like the most legendary cheat code of all time. Yeah, because I because re- I, I remember a while ago people were were posting up up down down the the code because I thought he passed away a while ago. I I'll know. double check, but I I saw this posted this week, so but I will look. Uh, I'm yeah. on uh, the next one, Sparks wants to take over, so uh, let's vamp a bit. Um, yeah, this is a this is a Ready Player One like Easter egg, right in the book. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, Ben's right. Uh, he passed away earlier. I don't know why this was posted this week. Condolences again, though. Either way, condolences. But yeah, still but, sad. Yeah. But yeah. Um. It, 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 um. It, it was also famously shown in Record Ralph when King Candy was going into the vault. That's right. Yeah. The that code has been. Fun fact, it was um, it was made famous by Contra, but it was first used in the game Gradius. Yeah. Which is a, a side-scrolling uh, space shooter. Beep, beep, beep. Very cool. Uh, Sparks, the next one you said you wanted to take? Yeah. Uh, former vocalist with Screaming Trees and Queens of the Stone Age, Mark Lanigan, passed away at 57. Mm. Um, the singer-songwriter and author leaves behind an impressive solo career amongst his many collaborations. Last year, an infection of COVID-19 made him deaf, unable to walk, and frequently comatose. He recounted the terrors of this in a book called Devil in a Coma. His last album was a collaboration released in October, Dark Mark vs. Skeleton Joe, as a Halloween treat, and No Cause of Death was released. Um, This really sucked. Um, Mark Lanigan is one of uh, Friend of the Podcast Matt's absolute favorite musicians ever. We had we had uh, the opportunity to see him play live a few years back here in L.A. and uh, it was an incredible experience. Was He's, that the, was that the trip? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, the the trip that cost Matt his car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> what a what a trip. Um, but he, uh, I I know of his solo career more than anything because of Matt. And uh, he's an incredible musician. He makes just really, really amazing music. Um, uh, there's There was a lot to offer from that person and a lot built on pain. Um, yeah. And it is tragic to hear that he passed this young. It's also super tragic to hear that after kind of a life of a lot of getting his shit kicked in by things that he previously suffered so much from, from COVID and that his last year was so a bad one terrible yeah uh, leading up to this moment which you know a lot of people are no one knows uh the official cause of death right now it hasn't been released but um everyone assumes it's a lot of complications still from what happened last year yeah i've like those side effects of getting covid awful can you imagine going deaf oh as a musician yeah yeah um Really terrible time. He was still able to write some incredible music. Matt had literally sent me a song from that album, uh, his last one, the uh, the Halloween Treat album that I just mentioned uh, just two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. like he just sent me a track because I hadn't listened to it yet. And he's like, this is really great. And he's like, this whole album's great. And I was like, oh man, this is good shit. This is a great Halloween mix. Um, yeah. And he was still Halloween able to movie write. Halloween? No, no, no. Just oh, like uh, for spooky. the time of year. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Spooky shit. Uh, and just like 
that he was still able to write things like that um, lyrically, even though he was in such a terrible condition as uh, harrowing. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was awful. I reached out to Matt immediately. I was like, I can't deal. Like, like this is wild. I can't believe he's gone. Yeah. Uh, this is a weird one. It hit very personally because of, of Matt's affection for him. Yeah. Uh, Songs for the Deaf, which is a Queens of the Stone Age album. One of my favorite albums of all time. He he was on that album. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I wasn't as familiar with his solo work, but man, that's still something. And finally, Sally Kellerman, uh, who had a long run on MASH, um, so also Oscar-winning, uh, an Oscar-winning actress. I know her primarily from the second pilot of Star Trek. She was uh, the other character who got uh, godlike powers with Gary Mitchell. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, oh, sure, right. That made sense to you. <laughs> just, just godlike powers, yeah. Yeah, strange energies due to the galactic barrier that which surrounds our galaxy. Speaking my language. I got it. I got you. Um anyway, I I've always that's that role has always been kind of a standout for me. That's like the the main the main uh, female lead of that show that I've always kind of always gone back to is like that was a great role. That was a good actress in that role. Um passed away at the age of 84. Yeah. That's tough. It's a long life. Long life though. Uh, okay, Sparks. You want to take this one? This is the Ukraine yeah. situation. Let's get into some real-world topics, baby. Sorry, y'all, we, if you came here for some nerd stuff. Yeah, we didn't talk about it off top, but obviously there's um, some really awful shit happening in the world. We'll uh, be we'll be brief enough. That's why it's at the top. Don't that's, worry. Uh, that's just affecting everybody around the world. Yep. Um, and so Russia is invading the Ukraine, and it's terrible. And uh, we're all devastated that this is happening um, to the people of Ukraine. Some really... Uh, and honestly, to the people of Russia, because there's a majority of the people of Russia are also not happy that this is happening and don't yeah. support it. So this, yeah, is, there uh, were, this uh, is terrible for everybody. Nobody wants this. Um, only one person wants it. Yeah, yeah, yeah apparently so. And uh, I saw. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, tangent too hard because we got a lot that we. No, I know. But um, it's it's really terrible. Our hearts go out to Ukraine. We'll say that up top. Um, Here are, we stand with those people. Yes. Here are some nerd related things. Yeah to tie it so, into our podcast so ukraine yeah. is home to multiple game studios um and we're going to talk about a couple of them uh frogwares and vostack games are uh, a few of the studios that are there um they have made posts about standing with ukraine uh, uh feeling for what's going on um stalker developer uh gsc game world is located in kiev yep. and uh, the studio said our country woke up with the sounds of explosions and weapons fire and add that though pain death war fear and inhuman cruelty uh through Pain death, sorry. Uh, Ukraine will persevere as it always does. So they're feeling it uh, there and uh, we're just feel awful that they're all going through this. Um, Ubisoft has two studios in the country, one of them in Kiev um, and the other in Odessa. Uh, last week, this is a quote from them. Last week, we recommended our employees take shelter in a p- place they consider safe. Ubisoft has provided all team members in Ukraine with additional funds to help them cover exceptional costs, such as those related to their travel and relocation, and has paid salaries in advance to account for any potential disruption to banking systems. And uh, the company also stated that it would provide housing in neighboring countries for its employees and their families, and has already set up hotlines to respond to their questions and needs, as well as an emergency communication system should infrastructures grow unstable. Um, Considering a lot of controversial bullshit that's happened with Ubisoft, this is a very heartwarming thing to read. Yeah doing yeah. so much for their people. uh ubisoft is one of the well it might be the biggest in terms of its uh, uh employee size uh video game companies in the world uh and they have a lot of money 
So the fact that they're using some of that money to actually help is is yeah. really nice when they all they didn't have to. Like it's it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's especially a studio that again has been fraught in a lot of controversy about crunch and all that stuff. This is this is very much the like shit is hitting the fan and they are rising to the occasion. Mm-hmm. So good on them. Mm-hmm. Um Polish video game developer CD Project Red also declared its support for Ukraine and announced it would be taking action to provide aid for the Ukrainian people. Uh the developer gave a statement announcing donation of approximately 243,000 to Polish humanitarian action. Uh, this is attempting to provide food and support for the Ukrainian refugees fleeing the conflict in their country. And 11-Bit Studios, an online game retailer, GOG, have announced that over the next week, all profits from the anti-war game, This War of Mine, will be donated to the Ukrainian Red Cross. Uh, this War of Mine uh, is a game that came out in 2014. I never beat it, but I did play it. It is a hardcore strategy survival game dealing in a um, in a fake European country being invaded by an imperialist army. Um, they are a... This is literally what they make games about. Um, so all of the proceeds for the next month of their game will be going to, to the Ukraine. Uh, if you have any money to support, uh, the best at least what I saw, the best way to help if you do want to support is the Ukrainian Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is an easy way to give money to people that need it. Uh, bad shit's happening, y'all. It's really unfortunate. We're really privileged to be up to talk about nerdy shit in the comfort of our own homes. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. why it is nice. You know, you have to spread light on shit like this when it happens. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll link the Ukrainian Red Cross in the episode when, when the audio that'll arrives. Be, that'll be great. Um, also, apparently, if you've been interested in this war of mine, buy it this week you are also supporting the ukraine yeah Red Cross. it's it's a, a good but hard game but it's supporting a great cause absolutely uh yeah uh i'm i'm really glad to see so much uh around the world and specifically with our video game studios and our video game industry that is so deeply affected by what's happening in the ukraine um really how much has come out about stuff we knew but like maybe we weren't calling as much attention to how much arts uh, for the world are created and centered in the ukraine yeah, um, this is uh this is a big moment, and I'm really grateful to see yeah. so many people wanting to do their part to help. Um, yeah, this is tough. It sucks to see this. Yeah, yeah. I it's hard to know what else to say as we're living through a uh, horrendous historical event. Um, this is sure. like the third horrendous historical event all of us have lived through. too. can we? I, I, would, I would, if I had to guess, I'd say more than three. We're we're ranking <laughs> yeah. up towards fifteen. I'd say. Yeah, I would say yeah. yeah. Yeah, can we can we stop with those, please? Uh, uh, but like it for just seriously, like what's happening it is awful, and our yeah. hearts go out to them. It's, mm-hmm. um, I mean. We we love we live in the United States. We're we're safe. Um, a bunch of people in Europe, and especially in Western Europe, are safe. But unfortunately, Eastern Europe is going through something that's horrible. And our hearts do go out to the people of Ukraine. And there's really nothing else I can say except if you have the money and if you're able to do it, I would say help the Ukrainian Red Cross. Uh, like Ryan said, go buy that. Go buy the game. This war. This war of mine. Um, it's. Yeah, this is yeah, something I, I never thought. Yeah. Honestly, I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. To be perfectly sure. honest, like I, I think that uh, my my takeaway from what's been going on and what I've seen a lot of people uh, sharing with each other and talking about is that I don't think I, I I think for a big moment right now we're giving being given an opportunity to recognize how much we're all connected mm-hmm. uh, and how much we're all, especially those of us who are not 
the upper class that makes these decisions, the the higher elected officials who get to have that kind of power, the people who are just living in the world mm -hmm. were all the same. Um, and uh, it's, you know, social feeling, media, watching uh, these people go through what they're going through right now feels like people I know going through it, people I understand going through it. And that's awful. Um, yeah. Social media being around during like a huge invasion like this, like it really just opens, opens the eyes of uh, what's really happening and all the false information that Russia is putting out. Uh, not to like, you know, uh, but like seeing like seeing the president of the country, like vlog on the streets saying like, I didn't run away. I'm here with the citizens of my country. Gosh, yeah. Glory to Ukraine. There's a video going around to the president with like, I got all my homies with me right here. We're not going anywhere. I'm not joking. It's the hardest video I've seen in my entire yeah. life. He gave an incredibly moving speech. It, dude, like that is, that is yeah. like, we have to, we're going to stop talking about this, but like that yeah. dude, the president of Ukraine is the, is like the hardest dude in the world right now. Mm -hmm. That is a dude who is unifying his people, giving them more morale than the Russians can handle. The, um, um, the mayor of Kiev, the mayor of Kiev, who also used to be a former heavyweight boxing champion also is taking up arms as well. He's like, uh -uh, I'm not going to him and his brother, both tw tw twins who were also heavyweight champions are like, they're nope. We're going down. We're throwing the, down. The, the last thing I say, well, uh, just, just how dope uh, the president is. Um, when America asked if, if the, if he wanted to be evacuated out of the country, he said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the coolest thing I've heard in my entire it's, life. It's really good. Like, like I, I, I'm, I admire that man. And, uh, immensely yeah it's it's something that none of us could ever imagine and like most leaders would run away and he doesn't so like man glory to ukraine right now my guys the silver lining i'm hoping for at the end of this is uh that i and i think it's already happening that it's put all the bullshit about the pandemic of oppression through masks and mandates like that into a little bit better perspective of like stop yeah. <laughs> look what's this happening is what real oppression yeah. is mm -hmm. um so anyway yeah uh, uh I, Down with tyranny, I stand with Ukraine. Hell yeah. Uh, fuck Russia. So, mm -hmm. um, fuck Putin. Yeah. Fuck Putin. It is real not quick, the Russian. Real people. quick. One last thing. I saw this incredible video of this of a Russian tank stranded on the side of the highway, and a, and a Ukrainian troops passing by them saying, "What happened? Your tank broke down." And he's like, "No, he ran out of fuel." And and the Ukrainians are like, "So, do you want me to like?" tow you back to russia or something <laughs> and they're like we don't even know where we are and it's just like no one like half the people don't want to be doing this on a on a <laughs> note on a note of some levity uh the traffic registrar for ukraine replaced all the street signs uh because they want to confuse the russians and so now they point in directions but they all say some basic version of go f yourselves yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. like this is the most direct like we yeah. are fighting this tooth and nail um, like good for them um, yeah you heard about the the border the border um the border crossing agents on snake island right oh for sure <laughs> those those mad lads there's room like I, apparently they might still be alive I they got blasted to all hell, so I doubt it. But like I mean, they the, said, they when they were asked to surrender, they said, "Go f yourselves." To and then a they Russian got... warship of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like heroic shit happening. Like now's not the time to be thinking of this, but like the amount of like true life, like historical shit happening right now in Ukraine will be like televised, like made in the movies for the future. Like, like the ghost, of, the ghost of and realistically, historical shit's happening for the for that country and in bad and good ways realistically what we're seeing is the template for what will be either 
this is how this is going to be when invasion goes forward or this is how invasion gets stopped yeah it's going to be one of those things and this is how the world responds and this is going to set the tone for if this ever happens again how much pushback will occur and how much pushback won't occur yeah mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway the world comic books i had something yeah. i wanted to add to that but i i forgot what it was um but we'll we'll just move on yeah the story sport yeah love them yeah. Sparks, you want to take this one too? Comicsology. Uh, I mean, just because I wrote it up, so I, I know what, what we're doing here. So we didn't talk about it, but um, last week, comics. Ooh, I don't want that. Hold on. I don't like the side view. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate. I hate. But that view is ugly too. Yeah. You can't win on your phones. Nope, you can't. <laughs> All right. Um, Comicsology is ugly, y'all. Last week, Comicsology, we didn't talk about. It. They launched a 4.0 update with a new app that replaced the original mobile experience with a Kindle-esque format, and the loss of Comicsology's own website in exchange for a presence within its owner, Amazon's website. There was confusion over tools like Comicsology's panel pa- panel by panel guided view option seemingly being removed. It's actually just more difficult to use. Um, changes to the library filtering that made large comics collections unwieldy to navigate, and bugs that prevented some users from accessing large swaths of their previously purchased comics. The most jarring issue, both navigating Comicsology's Amazon integrated storefront and reading comics directly on the web, are now done entirely through the maligned Kindle Cloud Reader. It's a tool distinctly not designed from the visual medium for the visual medium of comics from a presentation standpoint, something that caused major frustration for users. Its reception was exceptionally poor, and this week they have acknowledged that and said that they're going to make fixes. They better. So here is the news of the incoming changes they've announced. Fixing the storefront's new releases filter so it accurately shows every newly added comic making it a top priority to improve Kindle Cloud Reader's handling of comics, although details on that front were left unsaid beyond improving the web reader experience. Fixing errors where certain comics wouldn't appear in high definition in apps. And DRM-free downloads of comics are being restored previously offered by Comixology Storefront, but only for purchases made before the 4.0 update rollout was made. No timeline was given for these changes, and while they have acknowledged that there's a lot to be done, there was no comment on several other controversial changes brought forward with the overhaul, such as the loss of series subscriptions outside the U.S., or from a creative and publishing standpoint, the controversial decision to move from a Comixology-specific submission program to Amazon's Kindle Direct Publishing, which offer fewer royalties compared to prior systems. Oh, yeah. The many issues still feel under-addressed for a system that has been working splendidly for over a decade. It's yeah. just weird that they did this, and it's turned this wonderful thing into kind of garbage and we didn't realize how great comicsology was and how great we had it until it was gone yeah. uh and it's not gone but it's seriously messed up uh, i don't use comicsology as much as i used to back when like five six years ago when i was like super doing more indie books i definitely used comicsology unlimited right um which was a lot of free number ones and the first free trades for a lot of stuff uh and it was it was just as good as the Marvel Unlimited one or the or the DC one wasn't as good, but it got better. Um, but yeah, just like not just not wanting to just use what works and instead like, no, we want to do it our way. It just like I don't understand it. It it's works very, it works so well. It's very dramatic because they had essentially perfection. Yeah. And they went but no. <laughs> Whatever happened to if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Cause because yeah. like Amazon's like they they want to do it their way, even if it's not better. They still no, want to. Amazon. The thing is, this was always why. this was always Amazon. Like Amazon, no, I know. Amazon always owned it, and so I don't know why they felt now like they needed to exercise further ownership. When I'm like, you already owned it, and it was working fine. I don't know why we had to turn it into like Kindle yeah. based thing. I I 
have a guess, I corroborate this by nothing. There is no reason that I've seen that this is true. But if I were to take a guess, they're cutting down Comixology's main workforce that's dedicated to it and combining it with the Kindle Reader Force. That makes sense. So the workforce sure. is basically being coalesced into mm -hmm. a single thing. So because of that, you're only getting like one workforce working on one type of system. That mm. can be my reason I would think you would do this because otherwise it doesn't make a shit ton of sense because everybody was so much happier with how Comixology was before this happened. Uh, also, like apparently if you live in other countries, it's like you're getting it so much worse. Today. Yes. Uh, yeah, I like. I, I think was it Jamie McKelvey? It was some. It was some English English comic person saying like, "Well, I tried to transfer all of my comics, and none of them came over. Yeah, cool, no. where's all that money?" And I'm yeah. like, "That's shitty." They man. they shit the bed hard. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunately, it feels like even as they're announcing, like we need to fix things, and there's a lot to be done. Um, we're probably not going to see things get fixed for a while. I imagine this is a year before we see a comicsology people are ever happy with again, which is yeah. unfortunate. You had you had people last week like Patton Oswalt out there posting like how he'd been using comicsology for a long, long time and really admired it. And now he's like, I'm just done with digital till yeah. this shit gets figured out. Like, Jesus. And it makes sense. Comicsology was a very good, very good accessible storefront. Arguably one of the best things Amazon's ever done. Yeah. Frankly, as a company, like it was a very easy direct to market. And their and their monthly like unlimited thing was great. Yeah. It was really good. Really, honestly, it, it was it's an incredible digital service. And the fact that it's gotten this bungled is wild. Yeah. That's what happens when you just add more money to it. It's true. All right. Uh, Hopefully, it will get to a better place. Um, this sucks. That's yeah. why, at least, dig that's why, at least, comics, I try to stay physical. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, getting to some other comic book news. This is just comic book announcements that happened at Comics Pro, which happened mm -hmm. this week. Aquaman and the Flash are teaming up for a miniseries called Void Song. Uh, this is written by Colin Kelly with art by Vasco. George, uh, Georgie, Georgie, sure, and Rain Barreto. Um, this is going to be like so. The basically the plot of this is, uh, Flash and Aquaman are the only two that were never were on planet Earth that were not paralyzed by this alien invasion. Uh, so they're the only ones have to have to stop it now. You missed the most important part that it's music that takes the, that takes everyone out. It's a musical note. Right, that's what I I did. I did leave that part out on accident. That's because, like, otherwise, I don't give a shit about the story. But that music's involved. That makes it cool. Yeah, um, but cool. The the Aquaman line is getting a lot of, and the Flash line getting a lot of praise right now. Yeah, I just when I was at the store last, I picked up like Aquaman number one. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm ready to eventually read that. I'm sure I'm going to read it for sure, definitely. Uh, well, Batman, the new creative team for Batman. I didn't even know they were in need of a new creative team. Yeah, yeah, they he was announced he's leaving soon. No, I know, but like that's it was the same day, and I was surprised because Joshua Williamson just got on the book. Um, yeah, Chip same thing with Tiny and too. Yeah, Chip Zdarsky uh, is going to be writing Daredevil and Batman. Um, this art by Jorge Jimenez is he's continuing on. He's been doing the book since uh, Tynan was on it, um, so he'll continue. Uh, he's going to take over after issue one hundred and twenty-five, and it's going to introduce a new villain called Failsafe. Which is going to act as Batman's version of Doomsday. So, yeah. this is super interesting because Zadarsky said in an interview that he never wanted to take on the big, like, he never wants to write the ongoing Spider Man or Batman book because that's too big. He likes doing these side things. 
So whatever they got, whatever they told him that he could do to jump onto the main Batman title, I'm buying that book day one. I'm, mm-hmm. I I didn't do it with Williamson like I said I was going to because I heard that book was totally fine. I love Zdarsky. That dude is one of the best, most well-rounded writers that we have today. He could write almost everybody, and I love it. He's getting to write just Red Batman, so like, or Red Daredevil, Black Batman. You know, he's writing both both Batman yes. characters. That's a joke. Um, he's that, getting Bendis's dream. He's getting Bendis's dream, probably better than Bendis ever could. Um, he even I'm, said second Bendis. They're friends, but like he said second yeah. Bendis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so excited because like I always want to read like the monthly Batman book, but like. I, I, the last two runs have been like, yeah, they've been there, but like with Zadarsky, I, be, I believe in Zadarsky. And Jorge Jimenez's art is always gorgeous. So it's going to He did good. a uh, six part, uh, six part special in Batman Urban Legends with uh, Jason Todd. It's very good. He's also still writing Batman I Am the Night miniseries. Yes. <laughs> so he'll have two Batman, three Urban Legends, if you count that, three Batman books out. I hope this means he's staying on it for a while i i would be upset if he was another tynan or williamson and he leaves after a couple issues i agree what what ryan brought up earlier does give me the impression that like i it would not shock me if he has a finite run in mind yeah and it's it's not going to be i don't think it's going to be like 100 issues like a solid 50 25 even something i could go 50 yeah yeah i I think somewhere in the 25 to 50 range is probably like he has a vision. He's going to execute that vision, and then he's yeah. he's I going to move on. I got a couple good arcs that I really want to tell. Right, yeah, that's... based exactly on what you said. Like, there's a reason why he'd want to tackle the big three, and he's not going to uh, meander his way around. Yeah, it. that's what makes yeah. me excited. Yeah. And again, a new villain's always fun. Uh, when you create your own villain, you get the royalties for that villain. That's why there's always a new villain with every new run. That's how that's how it works, baby. You don't get money for that penguin run. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I love Zdarsky, so I'll do it. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, I always regretted not picking up his his Daredevil run, uh, so I'm gonna figure, get this one. Please do, because that Daredevil run is too spicy. Yeah, I, I got the first trade. I've been meaning to read it for a while. I shouldn't have dropped it when when Charles Soul left. I was like, ah, maybe I don't need to keep going. I shouldn't have done that. I should just kept going. You should have, and now now Devil's Reign's happening, and you're missing it. Oh, yeah. Don't mind me just having the dark the dark seas Daredevil run to my reading list on Marvel Unlimited. Hell yeah, baby! Thirty five issues right there. Speaking of digital comics all right dc mech was announced y'all, y'all like no. that marvel armor say, strike <laughs> y'all like marvel max what about dc are you ready for some dc gundam funkos yo y'all like gundam y'all like <laughs> dc comics you want to see them mesh together in a way that you never thought imagined well do i have the book for you written by kenny porter with art by vlad baldemar sorry Baldemar, I love this name, Baldemar Rivas. Um, he's going to be writing a, a six-issue miniseries. Basically, it takes place in an alternate Earth where uh, when Apocalypse attacked during World War II, the, the response was to build mechs, and now that's the, the present-day version of that world. Um, and now they have to, now Darkseid is coming back, and they have to get back in their mechs. Makes sense. Okay, sure. I'm stoked. I... Like, I, I didn't read those Marvel ones, but, like, by all accounts, they're good. Um, I did see a Batman design where he's a big old boy in a cloak, cape, and I love me some big designs of people in Look, in, guys, in it took almost 30 years, but we're finally getting Batman in his big O outfit. Yes! So, that's all that really matters. <laughs> Listen, Men in Black 2 is a movie that you have whatever opinions on. There's that one alien who's like, he's in like a cloak and he's always wobbling around and then he takes the cloak off and he's just like three little dudes. Yes. And, I, and it's in saucers and I'm like, I love that. 
Anytime you do like a two kids in a trench coat, I love it. I love it. Uh, you got in there, Batman. It's a big mech. I love it. <laughs> I'm kind of stoked for this anyway, because like um I, the artwork for the some of those some of those covers are really cool. Um they 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 the, there's one cover that i really want which is like it looks like it's inspired by like trigger anime like it's it's written it's done with a lot of heavy line heavy line work to indicate movement i really love that one i don't know if it's going to mimic that tone but i do think it could be a lot of fun look the important thing with both like the, the any of the mech gundam style of marvel dc whatever it's look cool first tell fun stories aesthetics second. first yeah yes and as long as your aesthetics are high you're pretty good. That's the dark. That's the L. That's the FromSoft method, baby. Does it look I re- cool? I really like the designs cool of these mechs. <laughs> I really like the designs of these mechs. Uh, the the Batman one was the only one they saw that like a good picture of. But like the Superman one looks pretty cool from what we could see. I'm stoked. Yeah, I might check out the first issue. I'll check out some reviews first. We all like. Giant... I was gonna say, love. We love us some giant robots. True. It's true. Uh, we all we are all fans of Deceased. Tom Taylor's Deceased. Mm-hmm. He he did not give any details about when, but the third volume is fu- officially announced. Good, good. That second volume, the third, is awesome and final. The third and final. We'll yes. see what will happen. Is there the third one will come out, but then there'll be like two side stories that also come out. That'll be side side well, books, sure. so you have to read all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because and then yeah, five years later, someone else will be like deceased but not deceased for deceased something something the a will be a four yeah <laughs> the uh the because there's the um the unkillables which is the kind of like spin-off of the first volume but they could do more of that yeah i love deceased that's i like that second volume even more because it goes even crazier yeah. uh so I'm, I'm excited for more i really can't wait for the payoff of that ending of that second volume the it's a it's a constantine is very spicy in that book like some of the coolest constantine stuff that's ever happened Let's go across the aisle to some Marvel books. Okay. Iron Cat. Uh, Jed McKay and Per Perez mm-hmm. are writing a writing. A, he's the artist. They're doing a five issue miniseries, which will see Black Cat and Iron Man team up uh, to track down a stolen suit of armor and the thief who's wearing it. Uh, just basically continuing the, the next thing that the Jed McKay did the black cat ongoing for a while yeah so black black cat had a mini series and then it had an ongoing which is ending and then it's getting this iron cat like sequel series uh those books i haven't read them but they are rave reviewed they are like apparently excellent fun heist comics of black cat so um i'm not surprised it's continuing this one has iron man in it so i'll probably check out the first issue iron man's always hanging out with them cat ladies. he loved man hellcat black cat why are you stealing all these other cats tony leave them alone ice cat yeah it's just meow. Sorry, so you said ice cat meow. Oh, <laughs> right, right. There's a cat alien in Star Trek called the Cetacean. Uh, Cetacean. Fun fact for you guys. Mm-hmm. Ant Man. They had a cat on set, and they said that's an alien now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flurrigan. No, he's a. He's a, that's funny as hell. Give me a minute to recover from that. Like a raccoon. I can, I can see it's like, well, that's an alien now. We can't, we can't, we can't get this cat off the set. It's just, it's here. It lives here. An alien it now. It's an alien now. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't expect that to hit me so hard. 
It's, a, it's, a, it's like a person size. Like they, that's anthropomorphic. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Ant-Man is getting a four-issue miniseries written by Al Ewing with art by Tom Riley. It's going to, uh, every issue is going to spotlight a, a different Ant-Man starting from Hank Pym and working their way up. Uh, so Hank Pym, Scott Lang, Erica Grady. And it will introduce a, for, uh, a new future Ant-Man uh, who is going to try to get them all together to face a new threat. And he looks like Common Rider. He's got yes, like a Common Rider V. Uh, we all love Alluing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man has had a, real, a lot of really, really good successful comics since that movie came out. And it is one thing that I appreciate the MCU. It gives books to characters who normally wouldn't have books. So Ant-Man got a bunch of books after those movies came out when he wouldn't. And a lot of them are good. A lot of them are been Nick Spencer. Jeb McKay wrote one. I think I made one for the book club like mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited for this. And I think it's a cool story. It's like a it's a legacy Ant-Man book. Eric O'Grady, who is Black Ant, who is like a villain Ant-Man, who hangs out with Taskmaster all the time. He's in the book. Nobody gives a shit about that guy. Right. Al Ewing does. So like, I'm so it's stoked. It's Al Ewing. It's bringing the Ant-Mans together, which is real great. That, that hasn't been done before. And I can't wait for the new Ant-Man to be revealed to be Kang. <laughs> they already did that with Iron Lad. Uh, maybe... I don't know. That King miniseries just happened, and he was dealing with like, like a different version of himself. But that's, oh, that's true. That could, be that could be. I wouldn't hate it. Well, I mean, that Ant Man movie's coming out, and he's in it, so that's a good point. We'll see. We'll so, see. Ewing called the called the called the four Ant Men the Antastic Four. Hmm. All right. Which I really that's want like, spotlight. That's what Scott would say, "Hey man, You're right? How Ewing can do it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I wanted. I wanted to bring up that you you said that they're really the Marvel is really good when a character is popular even when they're not just kind of throwing books out there for these characters way better than dc when this happens like the fact that they don't that dc doesn't constantly put out like minis and like try an ongoing or just the short thing of like a one shot of like other characters is is so sad and i'm so happy that marvel like regularly does that Mm -hmm. because whether or not like even if they're not good like they're 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 there for you if you want them yeah and that, and that that's because like and that that way like if you like those characters you got them and if you don't you could check them out and maybe you'll have a new favorite character exactly like you're constantly keeping characters in the circle of characters being rotated through dc is just not doing that and that's that's a shame or they do it like way after like yeah. aquaman now is the highest aquaman's ever been and that movie came out years ago but doesn't really be coming out at the end of the year yeah they might have they might have just made it yeah uh, okay, moving came full circle on that one. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we like you guys like Fortnite. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, man. Uh, Fortnite is teaming up with Marvel now. They already did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you said Fortnite. Did I say Fortnite? <laughs> it no. sounded like it too much. Oh, okay. <laughs> but go ahead. Fortnite is teaming up with Marvel. Um, they've done that in end game. Now this will be a comic book. So called Fortnite X Marvel. Zero War. Yeah, this can this can be written by Chris Gage with our uh, and Donald Mustard, who's the Epic Games CCO, Chief Creative Officer, and with art by Sergio uh, Davila. Yeah, this cool. is this is interesting because I I have to imagine some amount of the Fortnite end of things is still going to carry over the plot with Sloan from the DC stuff. Yeah, so I'm I'm super intrigued in that. Um, I'm not saying this is how we get to a Marvel versus DC. <laughs> this is the this, but I'm not not saying listen, that either. <laughs> I remember we speculated that like like I don't know how long ago with like the DC stuff. Yeah, but like with the comic. But the fact that that a Marvel comic is coming out so soon after the last comic, mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't be shocked if the next comic is Marvel DC Fortnite. 100. percent Yeah. And yeah. God, all the all the. I think it'll start. So, I, I think it'll start. So there will be another comic that's from one of them, but you'll see one of the other company's characters yeah. without them talking. They'll just be present, like the way that uh, probably even less than Snake Eyes is in the Batman one. Yeah, yeah. But like they'll be there, and you'll be like, hmm, hmm, because they don't need to talk in the story if they're on the island, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and then you'll get to a, an actual thing with them. I, I, I have I a Marvel DC season of the game. Oh, I believe it. God. I believe it. This is people have been praising that that DC one. So like, it's it's, it's honestly a, it's honestly a really good comic. And um, it's, it's amazing because there, comics, it's yeah. amazing because there there's a whole issue that's just silent. There's no dialogue for it because there's no talking on the island, and you don't even get Batman's internal monologue. It's just a silent issue. Just an action. And issue. then there's another issue that's about like a status report of the people, uh, the um, imagination operatives, uh, IO that watch uh, the, the beings that live on the Island in Fortnite. And they're just doing a status report of how every single time that they loop into the Island, Batman and snake eyes are fighting each other and they're gaining more and more respect for each other. Uh, <laughs> and they're learning from each other. And they're like, I don't think it's okay that we're letting them interact this much <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> as an assessment. And that's just all the narrative you get, but you're constantly just seeing like, it's gotten to the point where everyone else on the island isn't even fighting each other anymore. They're just watching them fight. The fight's, <laughs> the fight's too good. Yeah, it's so good. We should read that comic sometime. But like, it's it's actually really enjoyable. And so anything like pushing into this narrative of like, not only that, again, Fortnite, incredible way to get kids in the comics. And yeah, that, all about that this. DC comic it like was one of the highest selling comics like last year. Plus, so. we're gonna get more Marvel cosmetics for the game. Guys, it's, it's only a matter of time. Who? My goal of this year is to get Brandon into Fortnite. It's gonna happen. Dude, that's guys. all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> I mean, you got me into Fortnite, so anything's possible at this point. I know. Um the uh the 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 games the comics are gonna come with codes for special yeah, of things. Oh yeah. Um, the main characters will be Spider Wolverine, Iron Man, and Shuri. And then, yeah, cool. Uh, Shuri is definitely new, so that's definitely going to be, She'll be one, one of the new characters that you'll get for sure. when this happens. Uh, Iron Man, probably get a new skin for Iron Man. Wolverine and Spider Man are both in the game as well. Yeah. Um, Spider Man just happened, so I doubt there will be a new cosmetic for him. Yeah. Um, but you never know. It's true. I do wonder uh, if we'll get um, the kind of thing we got with Batman. Batman got his own. Fortnite specific design. It's a design that's made just for him as he appears in the Fortnite game. Uh, there's a couple of those. There's a couple of those, but like uh, for the for the Marvel DC characters, it is Batman's the only one who's Catwoman like a... has a DC. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So Batman and Catwoman, but they're the only ones yeah. uh, who have gotten that. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if this Marvel one brings in a couple of those as well. So uh, what happened? Interestingly, I don't think we'll see the same mistake happen this time. Uh, the DC one dropped, and no retailer knew how many to get mm -hmm. or not no retailer but like many retailers didn't know what to do with it because they're not in tune with this sort of thing um and then the the game opened with buy the comic at, at your local comic store so they had an influx of people that they did not expect and did not have enough product yeah um probably yeah, not happen learn. again they'll learn this time yeah. and i think this will this one will probably go off even harder just because like the it's, general population that's playing fortnite is more into marvel because of the MCU. yeah marvel is just like ubiquitous ubiquitous yeah yeah okay that's enough comics oh uh beyblade let her rip <gasps> i honestly don't know why this is in here <laughs> i put it in uh, Jerry Bruckheimer is developing a live action, a live action. Who did this? I movie. did this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I was like, I watched Beyblade when I was a kid. I was a child once, yeah. There's a Beyblade on Tops before. That's news now. Um, well, Beyblade, Jerry Bruckheimer, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Lost and Found Treasure, National, National Treasure. Treasure. Um, uh, he, he's doing this. Cool. Cool. He's producing cool. a live action Beyblade movie. Yeah. Cool. Beyblade. Man, or, believe it when there's a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, I'm the same. I'll believe it when there's a trailer. The moment you put in the Ukraine news, I should have taken this out. It's okay. All right. Honestly, in my opinion, equal newsworthy. Okay. Absolutely. Knockout City. Yeah. What about it? Uh, well, Knockout City was in the news this week because they've announced what season five is going to be. Um, it's going to be called Greatest Hits. Um, kind of wrapped around the news. They're not season five will not be the the kind of event that the that season four and season three and four were just the lazy two, three, four. yes but there's, a, <laughs> but there's a reason and the reason is is that they're um going free to play next year well uh, this year but like velon velon studios is uh separating the game from ea and they're self-publishing that's yeah. cool so they're taking this entire chunk mm-hmm. to reassess what they want the game to be going for brandon read the rest of the news that's interesting. uh yeah okay sorry um so that's actually later, but okay. So um, it's being scaled back. So it's being scaled down. So basically, season five will not see the kind of up and content that we saw with like new maps, new balls, or new ball, um, new uh, cosmetics. Well, there'll be some, but not a lot. Um, but there is going to be having some changes to it. Like it, it is updating in a way. Um, one of the things I wanted to highlight is that the uh, jukebox is going to work in the hideout. Oh, good. I thought that's funny. Yeah. Um, so all of it's being scaled down to prepare for the Land Studios to self-publish the game away from EA. And then it's going to um, allow them to fully realize our vision for the long-term future of this game. Mm-hmm. Is what they is what their statement was about it. Yep. Interesting. So then season six will launch in June, which will, so will start it being free-to-play. Mm-hmm. Um but those of us who have bought the game day one or even before this happens uh, will get like a, a, a legacy, a loyalty bundle that'll give you like special, special things that the free to play players uh, won't get. A bunch of limited cosmetics and um, hollow bucks to buy more things in the game uh, without having to pay money for it and all this other kind of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I'm super curious what that like. <clears throat> a lot of people are like, oh, it's a bummer that season five is. Uh, kind of not kind of yeah. not a big thing um even even mean like not playing the game uh this is not a good sign mm. for this game um this game uh it's not as hot as it used to be um it is still popular but the fact that he is willing to let it go means that they're not they don't see value anymore mm-hmm. um it going free to play is means they want to make more money which means they're going to push the cosmetic stuff, which is like, which is part of the game. It's like just like Fortnite. Yeah. Um. So it's not a bad thing, but the fact they didn't start this way and they're turning it in this way is not a good sign, because a lot of these games end up when this happens, they end up just getting closed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just like a reality of of the situation. So like, if it doesn't have enough players, this is what they're trying to do to gain money back. Uh, it's uh, if this doesn't work, 
uh, Hyperscape. There's there's a there's a uh, a Fortnite game called Hyperscape that Ubisoft put out. They just shut that game down. That game came out last year. Yeah. Uh, so this immediately when I hear this, this means that they're not in good shape. Sparks, do you want to? Uh, no, I mean you know what? Like we'll see. We'll see what will happen there. Um, Ryan's Ryan's not wrong. This is usually it's not nothing a good about the quality of the game. Of the game. It's yeah, about yeah. like how many people are playing it, and like if they're if people aren't buying the game at full price, that means they have to make it free to play to try to earn the money they're not making. Mm-hmm. That's just an unfortunate reality. So like, hopefully this is a better model. I hope it works because people love this game. You guys love this game. Uh, but when I hear this news, this is not a good initial good sign. Um, on the flip side, the fact that season four, season five is going to see like superhero event basketball um yeah all their all, all their, their older new, events all their new uh fan loved event stuff is going to be in rotation that's cool yeah and i think that i i'm really excited to play super superpowers again yeah i really like sure. that one uh yeah uh time will tell yeah um it could be that Melon studios is going to come come out with something else we, we don't know we don't know like how much maybe they were they we don't know we don't know how much maybe they were being limited by what EA wanted to do with the game and what they wanted to do with the game. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm inclined to agree with Ryan that the trajectory is probably what it is, but mm-hmm. um, they could have something big up their sleeves with it to, to make it more appealing. We'll really? See. I guess season six is that, that like we got this kind of season. So maybe that'll be something good. That's definitely the vibe they want to put out right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Trailers. Talk trailers. The, the new Pokemon games were announced today. Yes, they were. Wow, very surprising Sunday, is wasn't it, Ben? I was expecting not the next generation. I was I was kind of hoping for a new Pokemon Stadium. To be perfectly honest with you, we um, just got a Pokemon game, yeah, and they we, just announced the next Pokemon game. Yeah, I hope there's not crunch happening at that studio. Uh, uh, more <laughs> more than that, my big thing is that I mean. No, not more than that. Sorry, uh, that's the most important thing I hope isn't happening. Yeah. But the other thing I hope isn't happening is that they aren't just like copy paste Arceus into this without any amount of taking in the feedback that's happened from Arceus. That's what I has been feedback. Yes, and that's exactly. I, I think we're looking at like that's what I'm worried Arceus about. worked. We're going to do the thing we did last time and just make the same Pokemon game for the next decade with no change but cosmetics. So here's the thing that I'm really worried about. After Far Cry 4 came out, the next game that came out was called Far Cry Primal. It came out in less than a year. It used the exact same map, but it was 500 or like 5,000 years in the past. Right. So it was the same map, but a lot of the things were different, but it was a copy-paste game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am worried that this game is going to be, we made this game in less than a year. Here's just a new Pokemon, and that's all it is. Yeah, that's Arca- what I'm really worried I, about, because that game just Arca- came out. We haven't yeah, played it. Yeah, Arceus just came out this year, and the fact that they're announcing at the end of this year, which I'm going to assume November, because that's when po- big. That's when the last big... Uh, gener- that's when Generation 8 Sword and Shield came out. I'm hoping for what Spark said, is that they're taking the feedback from Arceus, and they're improving upon it. Like, okay, what did work and what didn't work in Arceus? And then they're going, okay, this is what worked in Arceus, or this is what didn't work. Let's fix the stuff that didn't work. And then let's fine tune it and let's not do a whole copy and paste job. Cause when you get a new region, you get a brand new map and brand new, uh, brand new areas to explore. So. I, mm. Oh, um, so I really wanted to address what Ryan was talking about with like cloning games, like using, reusing the same map but with the, Arkham origins did that right. Arkham origins used the same map from Arkham city and then added, they did add like another one, but they, that one map is just, 
Arkham City with just like polished a little bit. That game was made with limited time. Yeah, and it, it right. made it did well. Yeah, right. But like, so like that's the kind of thing. Like, ideally, they didn't. They wouldn't have had to do that. So like, you always want the the ideal outcome, which is that like they've been working on this game, but it doesn't quite feel that way because they said it's like it's the first open world Pokemon game, but it's not. It's weird. Well, it's the first like modern like moving forward. Mo- yeah, it's like this is the future now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that's and that's kind of the thing is just like Pokemon has a history of kind of re- repeating itself, and mm-hmm. yeah. I I I think that there has been enough of like uh, Arceus is a Arceus, whichever way it's pronounced, is a breath of fresh air, uh, but it's not a perfect breath of fresh air uh, from everything I've gathered. Yeah, there's definitely room for improvement, mm-hmm. and I'd rather there was two or three years of reassessing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. And, it, and, it, and it'd feel differently if like this game wasn't designed just like Arceus, right? Like if they'd announced a different Pokemon game that was designed, I don't, I don't know like what, but like designed differently then I would assume that it's like at least been worked on not in tandem with Arceus, but it, it, you know, at another point, like being developed in its own trajectory and probably not a clone. But as it stands, it seems like it's probably just a clone. The problem is like Pokemon games are not like four hour small games. Like they are, dozens of hours right so my my right. worry is, is like i think they, i've clocked well over 20 24 let me let me finish first right. um my point is like oh, i lost it go ahead sorry go ahead. I, no i was going to say i clocked over like because you were saying that uh, pokemon games aren't small games yeah and i because i've clocked over 20 some or more than t- maybe 30 hours into brilliant diamond and it took me well over 15 hours just to get three gym badges oh i got my point back so like if these two games are being made simultaneously, games take a long, especially big open world games, take a long time to make. If there is less than a year between Pokemon releases, there is not enough time to implement the changes from the January game into the December game. Games take way too long to do that. So, like, unless you're delaying this game, and they're just they're just doing the same thing. Like, if they're just doing what they're doing in Arceus, then you're gonna get another pretty good game. There's not enough time to truly develop that next next thing. You need years for that. Like that's yeah. like and you'll get your new Pokemon, your new region, and you'll play a very similar game. Yeah. And, and I hopefully hopefully I'm wrong. Carry like, on. Maybe, maybe this isn't uh the Pokemon team being worked to death working on two big games at once. I hope that's not the case. Maybe they have two teams that I just don't know. But the fact that a giant open world game just came out and they're like, hey, do another one in eleven months or ten months. I'm like, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a lot of Pokemon for one year. <laughs> okay. Uh the bad Although, guy. Ooh. The the pepper dog is very cute. <laughs> the little pepper dog. I like the starting classes. The starting Pokemon. The, the starters? Yeah. Wait, who's the pepper dog? It's the only one the... red one that looks like a dog and it looks like it's, on, it's, a, it's a pepper. That's a the only crocodile. red one. Oh, same thing. It's not going to crocodile, same thing. I agree with Ryan. I can't wait for Pokemon games to actually look good. <laughs> oh, man, I made a joke to him. I was like, man, I can't wait for Nintendo to actually make HD games in the future. <laughs> because uh i can play games on my phone that look better than this game and that's not a crack like nintendo doesn't need the best graphics but after a while you're like man you don't even try sometimes i guess it doesn't even matter it's like it doesn't hmm, even matter i could spend 80 hours running around this region collecting pokemon and it'll look about the same as the wii or <laughs> i could play 80 hours of Elden on the beautiful ps5 oh my god not to mention i wonder which i'll choose not to mention elden ring now has like summons like like a spirit and npcs so like the first thing you get in the game is like a pack of wolves so you just have five spirit wolves that you can summon almost immediately in that game those are my pokemon 
They can't evolve right. them. Well, what's the point then? Um, freedom. I, freedom. 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 Okay, the bad guys. The second trailer. Yeah. I thought this was worse than the first. Yeah, me too. At first, I was like kind of into it, but then, but then they kind of do the whole we're we're gonna beat, we're gonna act like we want to be good, so we can still be bad. It's like okay, you kind of just ruined the whole premise because that first trailer where she calls him a good boy and he really liked it, it's like okay, so he is trying to go straight, but then it's it's revealed oh it's all a long con anyway, a long con anyway. It's like oh, you ruined your own movie, didn't well, you? Well, well, yeah, Ben, but then also while they're doing the con, he is getting that moment where he's like, maybe I actually do actually want to be good. That's true. Uh, I, I, I think the premise is fine. It's just like there was, we were shown more of the movie and there was nothing that was making me like more out, outside of the animation. There was nothing that was making me go. Yeah. Yeah. You've got it. You've got it. Yeah. You've got the, you've got the characters. You've got the story. I see it. I will admit that the, the bit about saving the cat in the tree is very good. They did a very good, <laughs> good com- comedic cut with the uh them they being like just call the cat down and they all just look like their most vicious predator form yeah. like come here come here kitty <laughs> like it's very that funny pretty funny i think the movie I-, I love the look now that like the second trailer like i think this is probably like my favorite looking dreamworks movie without even seeing it because they're actually trying something like really cool looking here mm-hmm. It still just looks like a, a whatever DreamWorks movie to me. When they talk, I'm just like, "Yep, that's 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 witty dialogue." All right, that's that's a pop song playing. I'm like, "It's just another DreamWorks movie." So hopefully, yeah. I could be wrong. I would love to be wrong because I think I, I again, I love the look. They they also have like one of the worst track records for like trailer to movie representation, whether yep. it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, the trailers are almost always kind of a wash. Yeah, yeah. And then the movie is. Sometimes good and sometimes bad, and I think the only exception to this has been the How to Train Your Dragon films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, like almost every trailer presented, it just feels Mega like Mind's trailer presented poorly. Oh yeah, I feel like there's just like like obviously it is it is like an like like uh, like a machine that they churn out trailers, but like specifically like some DreamWorks trailers just feel like like they are just put into a machine, not even made by a human. Like this is what trailers look like. Pop song included, right, yeah. and I'm just talk, like, talk, talk, talk. I'm just like, you witty joke at the end, sting of the trailer, and like every trailer does that nowadays, and I hate it. But I'm just like, ah, I'm just like, I want to believe. I'm with you. I want to believe, especially if it's about bad guys. Like I'm into that. The animation it looks makes me want to. Yeah, the animation looks like it. It. I'm glad they 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 were like, we need to up our, we need to try something with animation. We need to try something new with with our animation. Um, everyone else is. We got to start doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of wish it was presented in a better package. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm I'm hoping for the best, but honestly, like I, I just don't know. Yeah, the man who fell to earth. I love this when I saw it as a movie in the 1980s, starring David Bowie. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's based off of it's based off a novel, which got turned into a movie, which now gets turned into a show. Uh, do you know who makes this? You know who's making this, Brandon? You know who you know? It's your favorite person in the world. Romilly D. Moore. No, Alex Kurtzman. Oh. Isn't that a bummer? Because doesn't this look good? Like visually, yeah, this looks pretty good. I, visually, I'm into it, but like you, you definitely brought it up. Of like, I think the only thing that's drawing me to it, honestly, is like the, the visuals, the visuals, and like the cast. Yeah, because to me, I'm like, this is a good movie, and it was a good movie. And then it's like they're gonna, but take... it's a show, and I'm like, I don't know if this is a good show. Yeah, this um, is a good movie. This could be a good movie. It looks like there's enough story here for a movie. It doesn't look like there's enough story here for a show, though. Yeah, if you're yeah. intrigued, watch the 1980s David Bowie movie. It's real good. 
Yeah, I thought this was pretty interesting. I'm surprised Kurtzman has the time to do something else. It's not Star Trek, so. <laughs> well, it's, it's space related or something. Is he producing or directing? He's like, he's like, he's one of the two people who helped make it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh. I don't know if anybody would let him direct again after the mummy. Never said that. No, no, that's true. C- CBS has let him write, not direct, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. Maybe he just doesn't like, want to. You can call some shots. Yeah. <laughs> but not uh, all the shots. He, he's like, I don't want to be behind the camera. I don't want to do it. Too much. I'm sorry, Benedict. No, no, don't burden me. And they're like, don't worry, we won't. And he's like, no, 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 burden me a little. <laughs> <laughs> I can do more than write. No, you can't. Stop. You can't even do that, sir. Um, uh, it's got it's got Chewy in it. It looks Chewy Telegy 4. Like it look it, I think this oh. is a good trailer, but I'm not sold. Totally. Kate Mulgrew's in this. Oh. Catherine Janeway herself, Admiral Thank Janeway you. herself from Star Trek Voyager. She's in this. That was awesome to see. Mm-hmm. I love her. That's Star Trek connection. Has a solid cast. I just I don't know feel if I like it s- would have been a cool movie. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I want to spend this the season with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shall we get into our topic then? Yeah. Sparks, we, we came in when we were going in, we were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Ben, this was your yeah. topic idea. So why don't you set us up? Yeah. So in the nerd world, there's something called hype. And because of said hype, people's expectations of things tend to be astronomically higher than the product they are given. Case in point, Suicide Squad. The hype for that movie was at an all-time high. People were so stoked for it, and then it just crashed and burned. And, of course, another uh, another thing for hype, Cyberpunk 2077. Now, while it has gotten a lot better, thanks to what Ryan said at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. the hype for that game was just a little too much. And there have been times where the hype has been has been real, and then there are other times where the hype has kind of fluttered away and just and just died. Kind of like the hype at the end for Game of Thrones or um, Endgame or or Avengers Endgame. So today the topic is how hype can either ruin or how it can also help a product. And essentially just us discussing like, should we try to hype things up more or should we just try to be like, just like try to go in with a little more level head? Because I know there are times I've been with like, oh my God, the hype is real. The hype is real. I'm like screaming like Vegeta in a bridge going, I am the hype. And it turns out to be more. I love that your reference is Vegeta in a YouTube video, not in the show that he's actually in. I it's just it makes me laugh every time, but I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. It's a but good yeah, so We're talking about hype. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah. And, All right. And of course, Elden Ring's hype has, I would say, um, especially with reviews and how other <laughs> gamers have been playing it, vastly earned because. One of the E3's biggest um, things, positive things that came out was, of course, the release and the trailer for Elden Ring. So let's go around the horn. What do you gentlemen think about hype? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I If something looks good, I'm excited for it. And if it looks bad, I'm not excited for it. That's I think I think that like we can talk about it in a in a you know, there's a, the personal sense where, like, I know, I know, like, I work very hard to control my expectations because I got burned one or two times before where, and I don't mean, like, oh, a thing, a product disappointed me. I mean, like, 
I made something in my head that mm-hmm. wasn't what I was given. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was through no fault of the thing itself that I didn't like the movie. And I had to reassess later and go, I was in the wrong. I've done the that. movie was willing to meet me on yeah. a level and I just wasn't prepared to go to that level. Mine was mm-hmm. only once and it's less than I think. And that, and good, good example. That's like and the like, only time I can think. And that's, and that's, you know, that's been my fault. And, and so ever since those things happened, that was a long time ago, but like ever yeah. since then, I, I try and be like, okay, measure out what I'm expecting. Um, I think that mm-hmm. to me, like hype and expectation kind of take a different hype feels like what, what is the general sense not only of like what other people feel but what the marketing wants to put on you an expectation is your own personal measurement i think i got like a good and a bad of hype and i think the good of hype is what you just brought up with elden ring i think the mm-hmm. good of elden ring's hype has been that a whole lot of people are willing to try a from soft game that mm-hmm. they've never been able to feel like they could crack into that type of game before me um it's also honestly i felt like i could i just haven't done it but this was a good opportunity to do it but like there are a lot of people who have felt like i can't bridge that that way in and elden ring's hype has brought that to their doorstep it's also one of the situations where um because of FromSoft's track record where every game they've made is a game of the year quality like contender uh the first time that they branch away from their structure to make something different and it turns out to be as good if not better than the hype it rarely happens it truly rarely happens. Like Elden Ring is one of the few times in pop culture history where the product is as good as the hype surrounding it. Yeah. Like something right. like an end game is like comparable, but like it, it does not happen very often. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, this isn't me trying to like subvert my, my initial topic suggestion back into this, I swear. But um, where I think hype becomes a problem or at least like, a more toxic element of the culture isn't necessarily when we're creating it, but when it's being manufactured or attempted more specifically to be manufactured case in point would be like the Luke Skywalker episode of book of Boba Fett. That's not necessarily there entirely because it serves the story. Right. It's there because they want you to talk about it that week. Right. Yeah. Or this is happening a lot with a lot of the MCU shows where like, Things are kind of structured. Manufactured excitement. Kingpin Kingpin is teased but not revealed early enough in the show to be a developed character because they want the hype of you going into that finale. But really, really good point because, like, you know, there's so many moments in the Marvel shows where they are building to a final villain, like Loki did, you know, because they want you to be like, what? Okay, what's at the end? What's what's the big what's the big reveal at the end? What's it all going to be? Right um and it's all I mean, about engagement yeah. yeah yeah and and like i think that's the problem is when like that's a planned that's a planned like desired reaction from us and i think when it's not when it doesn't feel like our reactions are allowed to be organic it feels like we're being kind of driven towards a specific thing mm-hmm. like putting grogu in an episode of the book of boba fett <laughs> i'm supposed to react a certain way that week because you are tugging at specific strings that aren't and again like my expectations come into play on Book of Boba Fett as well, but um, you are giving me something that is not necessarily serving the story I'm following, but serving as a reason to try to make me have specific reactions, tweet certain things, engage in certain conversations around that week because of what you've dropped. And I think at any time when it's pushed into that space of wanting to create a certain response, whether, whether that works or not, is when it's not so great on the culture is that that kind of hype machine the planned we want to gate 
this reaction. This is yeah. why this episode has to build to this yeah. thing, and this is why we can't reveal Kingpin until this point because it's got it's got to hit that crescendo. And it's like, why well, we could have just started at him mm-hmm. and had him as a character, and that would have still been fine. But each episode would yeah. have been hype. That is, I mean, that is more of just like a question of like where we are is, is like 21st century pop culture, where like it is all about engagement. It is all about like mm-hmm. talking about the big thing until the next big thing comes out. And like, you want to be the thing that people are talking about on Twitter. Right. Yeah. And Marvel specifically, even Star Wars now, I guess, like they, their whole thing is look who we're bringing in now. Right. You wouldn't believe yeah. it. Tweet about it. And specifically this year, this year in 2021, like we've noticed like, oh, you're doing it for the engagement, not for the story. Yeah. Like so much of the Marvel stuff is look who we're bringing in. Let's talk about it. Not like, yeah. what is it doing for the story? It's like, who is it? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a good example of one of the reasons why Eternals really worked for me is I never felt that that push on me. Yeah. Of there's something in this that's supposed to make me feel a particular way as far as like hype for the MCU writ large. Nick Nick Fury's not showing up, so anyway, it's, we'll it's talk just about trying something. to make me feel something for the story it's telling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peacemaker, which we just did a discussion on, is a great example. We talk specifically about the cameos in that finale and how they don't feel the same as the cameos that are happening in MCU products because they didn't feel like they were there to create hype. They felt like they were there to serve the story. They weren't building to that moment. Yeah. It was a there's a moment that like no, could have been an afterthought. No episode of Peacemaker was trying to artificially make me have hype. It was just trying to engage me with a story, and that made me excited yeah. because I liked yeah. that story. Yeah. So. Th- the thing about hype for me is that there are times where hype works very well. And there are times where I do get so hyped up. And when I do see the final product, I feel completely let down. It's like, how dare you? You promised you air quotes here, promised me something amazing. And yet you don't deliver on that promise. Cause you were constantly hyping up like, Oh, look how awesome this trailer mm-hmm. shot does look, look how awesome this fight scene is going to be. Look at all these explosions, the flashy colors and the lights and the kick-ass needle drop. That's going to be in the trailer. You get hyped up from seeing that. And then when you do see the product or play the product or whatever the product is, you get let down. You're like, what the hell is this? Um, I want I do want to talk about a positive because obviously we're talking about how there's that moment in Peacemaker where it is where no there was no real indication that hey, there could be a chance that these characters were gonna show up in the end at the end of the of show. It was literally just a surprise, here you go. And then you instantly have water cooler talk the next day. Whereas hype for Spider-Man No Way Home, for example, you saw the Goblin, you saw Octavius. You're like, oh shit, there is a. Oh, the, no, that's a that's no, you're not. That's that's a really good point. Bringing a Spider-Man No Way Home, there's there is a a valid argument to be made, a very valid argument to be made that the that keeping Toby and Andrew hidden for, through the marketing and just mm-hmm. have it be circulated through bad lies and mm-hmm. rumors. Smartest is thing they could have done. The smartest thing they could have mm-hmm. ever done. Like the the hype for that movie was not to see Goblin and and Ock again. That would be cool. But the hype for that is because everybody knew mm-hmm. Toby and Andrew were in that movie. No, that's what I was going. Brandon, that's what I was going with. Is you saw you saw Goblin and you saw Octavius and you thought there's a chance there should there's no way they couldn't show up in this movie. Even though in none of the marketing was there, the bad the lies were spread. There's like all this like misinformation spread about about the movie. But when you went and saw that, it's like, and when they did finally show up on screen or on screen, it was worth it. It was well, like, there they are. But that goes to, but that was, I was speaking more to a Sparks point of artificial hype. Mm. That was artificial hype. We were, we were artificially hyped up for that movie. Now, admittedly, it's a very exciting moment to see, but like it was artificially created through rumor mill 
that, that we, we did this to ourselves. That is all yeah. on us. And, it, and like and it that, paid off. Luckily, it's great that it paid off. It's wonderful. But that going to Sparks Point, that that's the artificial hype that you're just you got to be kind of aware of because like the if we if there was not the incessant rumors that Toby and Andrew were going to be in that movie, we might not have been so certain and might not have been as hyped. But like those certain, the... and then and then think about like the back end, like No Way Home, it worked out. But like, how many things have done that where they've they've miscalculated and they pump their hype up too much? Imagine seeing that movie and they don't show up. Yeah, right. Like, it, it, a a perfectly good film probably. Yeah, would have been terrible immediately. Yeah, yeah. People would have been yelling at it, not even looking at the values that it probably had on its own. Just talking about like they weren't there. I'm sad about it. Yeah. There's plenty of instances that we've seen that that happened before, but I can't think of I can't think of one at the moment. I, I, I'm I'm never like, oh, I expected this cameo. It's not there. I'm sad about it. I'm not. I don't. I'm not like that. I wasn't well, saying you. And I wasn't. No, I know. I know. Guy. I'm just like I. That's not. You should go to a movie that's, and judge well, the movie on its own merits, not what like you want to be in the movie. That's absolutely true. Yeah. I think Ben Ben's conversation topic of like how hype works yeah. is is also like. This really relates more to the case of casuals than yeah. than necessarily us. us. Like yeah. you know, this is uh, this is you know, Game of Thrones is a great example because we were disappointed by Game of Thrones, but everybody was disappointed by Game of Thrones, and yeah. there are a lot of people that aren't us that watch Game mm -hmm. of Thrones, and that hype machine that had been rolling up to that last season pumped you up for something specific, specific for the White Walkers of what that that kind of interaction, you've been given a pretense of what that would be, both in like the threat of them and what the show is willing to do with the main characters as far, yeah. as far as like mm -hmm. bringing their stories to an end. And when that under-delivered, because for me, like the finale of Game of Thrones is okay. It's the White Walker episode that breaks the back for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the fact that like you have been built up to this entire story, and we went into that episode certainly we were losing at least five. And people then it's we like loved. they're gone like that, and and like we lost nobody, and and that is jarring for a show where you've lost so many characters you've come to love to go into that conflict confident. This yeah. is the thing we've been building up to. This is the moment where my heart breaks for so many people, and then and it not happen, and then like. Like they destroyed the big threat of the entire show, and there's like three episodes left, and yeah. you're like, "What are we even gonna do?" Yeah, like the walkers. You don't, you don't do anything. Yeah, like, yeah, the walkers were supposed to. I was, I will not lie. When the when this third season or the the third season, the final season of Game of Thrones was coming out, I was. I mean, I knew I was going to be heartbroken some way, but I was expecting the walkers to advance to King's Landing. I was expecting like everything to come at a head at the at the at like the at the iron throne itself i was expecting all this but when they get held at winterfell i'm like how many more episodes we got left four what's going to, on now to bounce off of sparks point with something that i can relate to um for me if avengers endgame didn't end with iron man's death like i was so confident that that was going to happen i knew from like iron man 3 that i whatever the final Avengers movie needs to end with Iron Man's death. And I was so confident that like, if it didn't happen, shit, like what, what could, I, what, how could I have felt in that moment? I, I might've been incredibly disappointed. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I mean, that definitely feels like something that's like, you look at the arc of him and like, that is, especially in Endgame, like this is where it's going to happen. Right. Like, it's something that makes sense. Yeah. It's something that makes sense yeah. to you. Like, like you're talking about with like Game of Thrones or the idea of like, you know, this is something that's been building up and makes sense. It's like story-wise, like we're, and we're confident 
the worst we're we are trust the storytellers to go in the natural direction that their yeah. story is taking them. But when they make that hard left, it's like, what well, did you do it, here? Well, real quick, like I don't mind a hard left if it's done well. It's just all of the last seasons of Game of Thrones is a piece of shit and it's terribly written. Like the like, left turns are like super right turns. Like they're not even good. Like I love a left turn, but like they turned that last season into like a joke. Like I, I love a crazy, crazy ending, but they didn't even do that. I want to bounce off both these things. First, I want to bounce off what you just said, because if the left turn is done well, then it's great, which is what Grayson's bringing up about the Mandarin and Iron Man three. Uh, yep. When it turns out that the, it's not really the Mandarin. I don't think that's necessarily falls in my category of what we're talking about. Mostly no. because I think that's a twist yeah. that pays off well. Um, and I'm really grateful for it. I liked it when I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Uh, so not not for me. Laugh, however, laugh my however, in tandem with the Game of Thrones thing, again, like making that separation and distinction from expectations and hype, I think hype has so much to do with marketing. And the reason Game of Thrones was such a big problem is because, Brandon, you will even know this. What's the main phrase attached to Game of Thrones? Winter is coming. That is a that is a metaphor for the White Walkers. That is a metaphor for the devastation. From episode bring. one, the first thing you see is a White Walker kill someone. It is the get-go win of Game of Thrones. And you get all the way to the ultimate confrontation with the White Walkers. And it is not at all what the show hyped you up to be or what your expectations have been led to believe. Mm-hmm. Neither of those things are able to congrue on what that episode It's delivers. just bad storytelling, so, yeah. So that's where I feel like they shoot themselves in the foot. And I do think hype really comes down to like how you market a thing, how you engage with the anticipation of a thing, how you either feed or uh, by negligence also still feed mm-hmm. uh, that machine. Yeah. Uh, ben initially asked how we, how we feel about hype. I never got to answer. I get hyped a lot. I, I get do. very hyped for a lot of things and I'm, I stay alive. I'm so excited for like the Batman. I'm so excited for Thor: Love and Thunder. I, I, I don't like that. I'm excited for Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness, but those trailers looked awesome, and I'm so stoked. I'm excited. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I just like, like if these if these things disappoint me, while I do get really hyped, it, it doesn't like destroy me. No. Yeah. Right. Like I do get disappointed or be like, oh, this wasn't what I was hyped up to believe or, or hyped up to feel um, it, it does bum me out, but like ultimately, like I think I have a very healthy engagement with hype, even though I can no, hype yeah, up like, a lot. That's the thing. Like, like we're talking about hype as like this thing, but it's just like, again, at the end of the day, it's like you get really excited for something and is it good or not at the end of the day? Like, like we're talking but about, there are people that take it. Though, there are people who take it very hard, but something's not, that's, that's the last Jedi reaction. That's the extreme reaction. Yeah. But like, yes, and those people need to maybe go outside some more. Well, yes. and, and also, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was going to say, like, well, that is the extreme reaction, but that, there's a spectrum of people who do get disappointed on various degrees when it comes to being hyped up about a thing. Like, something is, you, you, you don't quite get to the last Jedi extreme, but you do kind of feel, you know, let down by the, by the hype expectation. Yeah, I sure. I feel like, again, I, I know I'm kind of circling around the same point, but like, I, I think that what, what gets to me is when the uh the hype that's manifested where you can feel they're pushing a pedal to increase what in a direction that they want that uh, anticipation to be and when it's being done in that way and uh it's not 
when it ultimately is detracting from the art or the product, that's when I find, again, like referencing the the hype mechanics of how the shows for MCU and, and Star Wars have been designed so far on Disney+. Plus. There is an amount of hype machine where I feel like the artistic integrity of the narrative they're telling is uh, reduced. Mm-hmm. It's not absent, but it's lessened um, because they're trying to hit specific benchmarks. Mm-hmm. And that feel is present. And it, I think that is a toxic presence. That's that's mm-hmm. only because I think it is hurting the final piece. Uh, I don't think that th- these are things like we, we talked about earlier when we were talking about the Eternals assembled, like that is Chloe Zhao's thing. Like Chloe Zhao was allowed to make a thing into the MCU and, and you get to really feel it. Peacemaker is James Gunn's thing and he's yep. allowed to inject it into the DCEU. Uh, Hawkeye is a good show that I enjoyed a lot. Not anyone's vision. But that I can feel more being pushed into it than just telling me the story that I want, that that it wants to tell me about those characters. There's something else pushing around it, around the uh, exteriors of it to form a larger scope narrative into the MCU. Um, Same thing, Boba Fett, same thing, uh, Mandalorian. You feel those little Mm -hmm. pushes. Um, I think where this comes into play in video games, and the thing that we've we've liked a lot lately, because we've talked about it because of the pandemic, is that video games used to hype their games way too early. Yeah, yeah. Way too years early. early. Years, years. Beyond Good and Evil Two, not even out. never coming out. Not <laughs> and, right. like, and like that <laughs> trailer, real. that trailer was put out to hype you so hard, and that game for why will for not uh, will will never be able to deliver on that hype. That uh, that anticipation over that long a time is also a bad thing. Uh, and video games, I think, suffer from this the most because, especially because that early in the process, you probably won't even get the thing you want. Like. Yeah. My vision of what Halo 4 was going to be based on the first trailer they dropped three years before the game came out. Is that the one with him like in the hood? Him in the desert with yeah. the hood? That has nothing to do with that game. Not even, it doesn't, doesn't have even one. happen. Weird. Yeah. Like, why do it that so way? I'll, let's, so the two... Hold, so, up, hold up, Brian. I, there was something I was going to mention. Um, other thing, going to, to video games and hype, and to add to Spark's point, uh, two in particular, Metroid Prime 4 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Games that were announced way too early. And one of them finally has come out that has a PS5 upgrade and it's actually been received extremely well. And it's a great, and even though it has some detractors, it's still a great game. The other, still silence. The only thing we have is just a confirmation from last year's E3 that we're working on it. That's it. They had to get that other Metroid game out though. That's fine. Yeah, but... Yeah, they did. they did. You just you just, just get so you, you just get so exhausted by hype sometimes if it takes too long. Like a movie mm-hmm. that you're really excited for, like um, Free Guy. You know what? When the trailer for Free Guy first came out, I was interested. I enjoyed it. I wanted to see it. And then four trailers later, I kind of got sick of it. No time to die. No time to die. Perfect oh, yeah. example. Uh, that that poor movie suffered so much from being pushed the way it was in the pandemic. Um, but like honestly, like going into it. I don't think I could have been less hyped. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that overall I had a positive experience with it um, while having like my own issues, but like overall I had a positive experience in it and that didn't really 
really hurt it, but definitely going into it, I was like, it's about I wasn't expecting much yeah. of anything yeah. anymore. So the the three games that I want to talk about are one that's behind us, Elden Ring. I want to talk about No Man's Sky. I want to talk about Cyberpunk because they have three very different ways that they did marketing. And it's why Elden Ring, uh, even if it wasn't a good game, the marketing was really good. No Man's Sky and Cyberpunk both uh, were promising things that there's no possible way they could have delivered. Um, no Man's Sky, it's a sad situation of they were like a team of like four people. So Sean Murray was the designer, the programmer, the marketing guy, the PR guy. So he was the one talking to everyone. That dude was saying all of these promises for the game that, that wouldn't happen for years. Like No Man's Sky right now is an incredible game, 13 free massive updates. He was talking about that game the way it is right now, five years ago. So when that game came out, it was buggy. There was nothing to do. Uh, and it looked like shit. So that is one of the worst reviewed uh, games at the time when it came out, right? And then he's like, yo, my bad, we'll work on it. And then five years later, it's not one of the greatest games ever made. Right. Uh, that is a thing of him overhyping himself, not being a good like uh, a good PR person. Like he should have known not to, he should have known to <laughs> promise a game that he was making and say, hey, here's all the things that are happening in the future. Not being pragmatic. Not being pragmatic. Cyberpunk, <laughs> Cyberpunk, Jesus Christ. They announced their game seven years before it finally came out. Right. They were before The Witcher 3 even came out. They're like, hey, here's what we're working on, right? So the hype already was there. Um, the first trailers, um, they they were being run on the, the highest end PCs possible. Like, like only the rich people can have these type of PCs. And those are the trailers that we were seeing, right? That was the greatest, coolest looking game ever made. Um, that game on the PS4, when it came out, was unrunnable. It was chunky. It ran at like one frame a second. You couldn't even play the game. And uh, pulled off millions, their stores. Yeah, and and yeah, Sony took it off the store oh so bad. Millions of people bought that game and couldn't play that game. Uh, that is that is bullshit on an unbelievable level. That thankfully, like No Man's Sky, they're in their good graces. Like, hey, we're really sorry. We'll work on it until the game is truly done. Now it's at a point where that game's incredible. Uh, it took almost two years, and that is a lot of faith that you have to re-earn. And the thing is, not a lot of game companies will put the time and money into it. Right. But Cyberpunk, uh, CD Projekt Red, and Hello Games of No Man's Sky, those are two care companies that care about their gamers, their game, their game players. Uh, so like Cyberpunk will be will be getting updates for years. They they want to do a multiplayer thing that's going to get released next year. Like they're going to work on it until that game is perfect. And luckily, some studios are like that. Uh, a lot others, a lot, a lot of them aren't. Right. Elden Ring. Elden Ring had a trailer come out saying, hey, we're coming out in a year. How cool does this look? You've played every other Dark Souls game. You know our games are good. That's all we're going to show you is a trailer. Six months later, here's another one. And now the game's almost out. Here's a final trailer of what you do in the game. That's it. They didn't overwhelm us with new trailers every month. And the brief uh, live test. And the live test. Yeah. Yes, there was a beta to see like, hey, uh, does our system run well? It does run well. Uh, but they, they, but, but the, my point with that being like they, they, they really smartly used uh, you either got to engage with it or you heard the word of mouth about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was even a good word of mouth thing. They're like, hey, this is a new open world Dark, Dark Souls game and it's good. So, the, the word of mouth spread. Um, and then finally, these last couple months of like the new trailers coming out and it looks really good and like these guys have never made a bad game. I have no reason to believe this game will be bad. Um, and luckily, like it didn't take five years to get here. They did it in like, an, in, like a year and change. Um, and it's just like, a difference in marketing. We've talked about it a lot about like the idea that like these video game companies should really start marketing when it's far closer to its release, when they're more comfortable with that. I, I feel like God of War is kind of doing that this time around with Ragnarok. Like Ragnarok's supposed to, it's not, but like theoretically it's coming out this year. And like we haven't seen any footage. Yeah. Which would have been fine still if it had been announced the end of last year, but it was announced the end of the year before. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's when that, that's when they yeah. teased it up and were like it's coming and i'm like that's a little soon um <laughs> i fully expect that game to delayed into early 2023 and it'll be like the five-year anniversary from god of war i think here i think the other thing is that with video games i think they suffer from the from hype culture the worst but like a lot of what would happen with these things that had those long gestation periods from when they announced their teaser to the actual release is that now they made a promise of a sense with the audience so if they decide to change things down the road in the game they need to make sure that whatever they gave you in the teaser is still there especially if it's something that fans latched onto the moment the teaser dropped oh yeah um mm -hmm. i think lego star wars the skywalker saga is a good example of this because when they dropped that first trailer they sh they showed that game to be so expansive that they couldn't under deliver at that point yeah so they had to put that team through crunch uh mm -hmm. and like clearly that game shouldn't have been marketed as early as it was yeah obviously um this is i think this is the most egregious problem it, uh for hype culture as present in video games uh and again it does seem like maybe we're getting a little better with it overall yeah uh, i certainly love the nintendo direct that it only does things for a few months in advance mm -hmm. not the entire year uh mm -hmm. i'm very grateful that we're not seeing a little bit of breath of the wild 2 in every single one on the way up because yeah. like that's a recipe for disaster regardless of how good that game is yeah yeah you know marvel um, is marvel is in a way uh you know not in a, way, in a way but like they would manufacture hype with the phase announcements yeah sure yeah. like you know this is what's coming this is exactly what's coming in the next couple of years get mark the, these calendars we're excited we we're excited yeah I'm, like kind of, I'm kind of glad we're away from that and how much of a bummer was it that we knew like I wasn't in humans movie, but now there isn't. Starring Vinny D. Or like as much as I like that Civil War, I'm like I'm kind of Serpent mad Society. I'm kind of mad that you tease Serpent Society. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Yeah, and then of course let's not even talk <laughs> not about. Not at all, it. but still. Yeah, but and also let's not even dive into the rabbit hole that is the hey, here's the DCU timeline that never. No, the Flash destroyed that himself. Black Adam yeah. still riding on the hype machine of casting Dwayne Johnson ten first. ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I do think that like the sorry about real quickly, just like when when they announced phase four, the fact that they only announced half of phase four feels like they're weaning us off of that hype machine. Yeah, we're, we're not going to take it away from you completely, but we're going to pull back a little bit. Like we're we're in like those movies make a billion dollars. Like, you know, you got us. And even Kevin. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say I think they recognize at this point to be more flexible. Yeah, and I, I think that like one of the things that was that was funny when when people asked, so is this the end of Phase Four? And Kofi was always going like, I just announced like five movies and ten TV shows. What else do you want? Yeah, people always want the next thing. Anyway, sorry Ben. Yeah, going back to what Sparks said about how video games, uh, video game hype is probably the most toxic in our in our sphere, which I also agree it is. There are times when video game companies do decide to hold their hold their cards or play their cards close to the chest and then they would reveal it to i would say give us the mo the perfect amount of hype so we're excited and also the um release isn't too far away once again case in point metroid dread no one knew dread was being worked on no one had a clue until that june e3 and with the and there was there's was gameplay in the trailer there was a glimpse of the emmy you knew what you had a basis of what the game looked like. You knew we were getting a 2D Metroid, and the release date was only a few months away. I was prepared for them to announce the delay. They did not. They gave us a few more trailers, and the for me, the hype for Metroid Dread not only revitalized um, my love of Metroid, but everyone's love of Metroid because people went to like we got oh. until we got until we got time to play Dread. 
what how do i experience the story people were playing the games again say as far as i can tell i could be wrong on this but sales for the wii u shop um metroid zero mission and metroid fusion they went up people were playing uh, metroid super metroid on the nso on the nintendo switch online service um you bring up a good point of like um the hype of having seen something can revitalize a love of something like mm-hmm. seeing dragon ball super broly like yeah. reinvigorated my love of dragon ball z matrix resurrections reinvigorated my love of the matrix like you know the the these th- these things like happened because of hype mm-hmm. right uh importantly i think like those things are benefited by all of them are benefited by the product feeding your hype mm-hmm. rather than just the lead up right right the thing itself is feeding the hype for the thing at large yeah um not everything about hype culture is bad like uh you can make an argument like love them or hate all of them it, you know it, it, it depends where you fall but like the entire revival thing that we're living in this this time of everything being let's bring back the old to mix with new everything is comes back is in style blending into the hype culture it's it's very yeah. much a i want to get you hype immediately because you're going to see some old friends i mean like scream's a good example of that i think yeah yeah absolutely yeah. scream's a good one yeah. halloween uh, just real quick, more about video game stuff. Like, I think the best company, uh, uh, what, regardless of the quality of game, is Bethesda because they will release one to two trailers before their games come out. When Fallout 3 was announced, it was announced at E3, it came out six months later. When Skyrim was announced, it was announced uh, in 2010 uh, in December, it came out uh, November 2011. Um, same with Fallout 4, with um, their new game coming out, their, their space uh, RPG. Uh, it got announced Star- at the Game Awards. Starfield. Starfield. It got announced in December. It's coming out in November. Like, they 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 don't bullshit. They're like, here's when the game's coming out. We'll give you probably one or two trailers before that. But, like, right. we know when it's coming out. We're not going to bullshit you. And this, that's so nice to know. That, like, it's coming out. Like, I don't need to worry about it. This was one of the big things we praised the new Disney era Star Wars movies for when they were coming out because mm. they did a teaser, a trailer, yeah. the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, you can seek out the TV spots if you wanted, but that was it until the movie released. Even the Marvel movie trailers, <clears throat> even if you get a bunch of them, they're always good about not showing you. They're good about hyping you up and not showing you too much. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, that Doctor Strange trailer is so good, and if they're showing us that shit, just imagine what's in the movie. Same with, like, Endgame. Yeah. Like, those Who's Doctor Strange? <laughs> you son of a bitch, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> uh, like, it's good trailers can definitely hype you up, and I think Marvel... Uh, or it's a Disney because I think the Star Wars trailers are good too. Like they hype you up and they we know we got you and we're not going to show you everything because like DC will show you a lot of shit sometimes. This uh, that's a Disney's marketing machine is good at good at handling hype with trailers, bad at handling hype inside the product. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben, did you see the Patrick Stewart video that's floating around? I did not. So it's Patrick Stewart. He's asked. So are you, is, that's your voice in the new Doctor Strange trailer, right? That's that's you. And, he, and Patrick Stewart goes. Who's Doctor Strange? <laughs> and you're so like, good. buddy. There's denying, the like, and then it's just like, whatever. I like that it's. I like that their their plan is to deny it, even though we know he's in it. Like we see in the trailer, he almost immediately begins laughing. Yeah. Yes. There's I another. Bit, there's another bit where he was like, "Hey, many people recognize can mimic my voice." I was watching the Super Bowl. That was weird for me too. Yeah, like a 70-year-old Englishman is watching the Super Bowl right now. <laughs> I believe it. He's a funny guy. Patrick Stewart is a treasure, and he needs to be Patrick. protected at all costs. Yeah. Um, I need that third season of Picard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Batman is coming out soon. Yeah, I think that's pretty hyped because so it's got a great cast, a great director, but the two trailers that have come out 
are exceptional. Exceptional trailers, which means like, yo, there was that movie looks great just from the trailer. So that movie's gonna look good no matter what. Uh, I'm personally, I'm not too worried about it. Like, if the worst, if it's like a seven, like I get a decent Batman movie. That's like, oh no, a decent movie. Oh god. Yeah, I would have been devastated if Matrix Resurrections was bad. Uh, Yeah, I just because of how important Matrix is to me. Yeah, like, what what is the one movie that you could think of that like none of us are gonna like you know like I'm gonna cry for a week if a movie's bad, but like what is the one movie where if it was terrible, it would be like, like Endgame. Endgame. Uh, Imagine if Endgame was just terrible. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Yeah, because I if if that was a piece of shit, I would have been like. Ridley, you were right the whole time. <laughs> no one let anybody touch it. Yeah, uh, Matrix Resurrection definitely for me. Like, especially like this year, if that was bad, man, Dune too. Like, I would have been upset. If Dune was bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have been upset, but not as much as Blade Runner. But yeah, I, yeah. that one would have been rough, especially after reading the, the good book. Yeah, um, I would have been upset if Sonic was bad. I would not have been upset. I was like, oh, okay, they did it again. Um, Oops, to I did it again. You know, I I think if the movie Ready Player One was really bad, I would have been very disappointed because I was very hyped up on that trail on those trailers. I was. Really I would have been disappointed. I wasted my money too. I, I because Spielberg was directing it. Like if it was mm-hmm. like, like a total trash fire, I probably like I would have been like, man, that's a bummer. He couldn't even yeah. save it. But like I think yeah. he saved it. Yeah. Uh, I I think in in like the the wide version of his gestation, like uh, knowing that all of those elements would be in it. And like saying yes, those all those elements are in it. If No Way Home had been bad, yeah, as mm-hmm. we feured it would be, like finding all those elements and it had just been like totally shit just like a weird with all those things thing. in there yeah. and just been like, wow, that really that's really a bummer. The year of like yeah. building it up, and, like yeah. I mean, it's even hype. you said going into it, like you were you were feeling like so like kind of beaten down by the hype machine of yeah. the MCU that when you were heading into No Way Home, you're like, man, if this isn't it. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, coming out of it, we were all kind of feeling that way, and then like, like we, we were like, yeah, let's bring on Doctor Strange from Ready. That trailer again, like, that trailer really changed my mind. Like seventy five percent of the way of like, I was a little trepidatious, but I'm like, that's Sam Raimi though. He could probably do it. He could probably yeah. do it, right? He probably could. Again, bad. another like again hype. Like if Sam Raimi. Like Scott Derrickson's a great, a great horror director, a great filmmaker. Uh, I would be less excited if it was if it was him making this and composed of Sam Raimi. The fact that Sam Raimi is back making a big, huge budget semi horror superhero movie that potentially will see a bunch of other cool characters like that's really exciting as a comic book fan. You're you're you bringing up like my hype for Doctor Strange is fed very well by the trailers. Mm-hmm. My fear for Doctor Strange is the hype mechanic that I already feel exists within the film that we know of, which is things like Captain Carter. Yes. Where I'm like, that's there to feed something specific. Yes. That is not necessarily the story. Uh, and I sure hope that is a wrong. small section of the movie. <laughs> and and we could be wrong, yeah, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Could be, it could be a great part of the story. It could be. But the fear is that it's that mechanic again. It's and, that yes. thing that's like, Hey, I want to remind you that you should go watch what yes, on Disney Plus. Practically putting the little thing at the bottom right corner a of little, the screen and saying like little, Captain and, Carter now uh, on Disney Plus in what if like lower third. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I will say like my my apprehension for Captain Carter honestly truly is just I didn't like her in what if. If what if gave me a good product and I really enjoyed uh, the character and like and Haley Atwell as as 
as a voice actor is fine, but like she's a better like live action actor. So right. like if there's I believe it can work. Oh yeah. But what they've given me, I don't believe. But but it's a perfect example of what would be that kind yes. of mechanic in any other MCU property as we've discussed. Like it it rides that line. I'm not saying it's no, going yeah, to be yeah. bad. It could be a great part of the story. I'm not saying that flat out Captain Carter being in the movie is a is a bad thing. But it has all the makings of that kind of appearance yeah. that's basically just there to remind you that there's other MCU things you should go watch after you finish watching mm. Doctor Strange. Rather than being like, this is cool because this scene is happening in this movie with these characters. She'll say, like, check out my show and disappear into a portal. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's the vibe you get, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, that's shitty. It is. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many times in the MCU that you can point to, like, Avengers, like if Avengers was bad, that would have like destroyed the whole franchise. Oh yeah. Oh, if if the first Avengers like flops, who knows what the MCU would even be right now, man? Like, it wouldn't be. I think they would have finished out Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man and then called it a day. They would have done. (laughs) They would have done what what DC's doing. They make one Justice League and then they branch off and do a bunch of other shit. Uh, what a different world. Well, Robert Downey Jr. finishes his contract Iron Man three. All right, guess we don't make any more. And I, and I do think that that is like just it's kind of a side effect of being a product as big as the MCU has become and serving as many people as it does mm-hmm. that some of these things some people love feeding off of that yeah and that that's there to serve them and it's not necessarily there to serve me yeah um, I was when I was younger that like in my in my early mid20s I was definitely more all about it yeah now I'm a little more critical of it right. And it's just, I think that's just growing up, you know, like... I think it's yeah. that. I think it's also, like, the MCU is interesting because you, we're, we're so directly, like, Star Wars is kind of like this, but Star Wars has been so generational up to this point. Mm-hmm. The MCU is something where, for its entire lifespan and continuously, we have been living with it as it has grown and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and everybody's connected to it, and it's something where literally everybody has an opinion on it, even if the opinion is, I don't like to watch it. Um, <laughs> like, everybody has an opinion on it because it is the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... At that point, like, it's hard to not start bringing your own criticism to it. And, like, regardless of the the quality of the works as individuals, like, I still really like the Shang-Chi movie. It has its problems where it's still being kowtowed within the the, the greater formula that now it's less that the formula is suddenly getting, like, more difficult to work with. It's that the familiarity. It's becoming more apparent. The familiarity has gotten too consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's where, like, it's going to have to get shaken up. But that it is that like what worked as a <laughs> Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man is a hype mechanic. It's a hype mechanic that freaking worked. It worked hardcore. Brandon just wrote about it. Yeah, um, did uh, in a in a very nice piece. But like Thank what you. what happens is that when you have a, that hype mechanic, that's great. We are now at the point where we're so familiar. We know that yeah. these things. We know that everything is connected. We know we're always building something in the MCU. We know we're always getting connections and all that kind of stuff. That can't be all that it's built around anymore. Yeah. Now it has to change. Those mechanics can't work the same way they did a decade ago. But we're still using them the same way yeah. that we did a decade ago. It's the it's the it's the Pokemon mentality. Well, the post credits it, change. Well, the, the mid credits of Shang Chi is there to do that again, right? Because we see we see Mark Ruffalo. We see. Brie, Lar- Brie Danvers, Brie Larson, uh, and uh, Ben. Oh yeah, the ben rings. Are, but that's the thing is like the rings I are weird. I don't mind post credit scenes because post credit scenes. I feel like that was always the purpose. That's how it started. Yeah. It started as here's your tease after mm-hmm. the story is yeah. done. Those are yeah yeah. It's that now we're getting things that are almost like post credits for the show the movie, <laughs> yeah. in the show mm-hmm. in the thing as it's happening. 
now we're getting those moments peppered in all the time. Like mm-hmm. Cad Bane and Kingpin might as well have been the same character for real. They mm-hmm. show up in the last episode of the, in the fifth in the fifth episode, and then they might and then like bad things happen to them in the end of the sixth episode. So like on both both avenues, they're just like introducing characters. Like I hope you like these guys, and yeah. they're and they're like teasing yeah. up the wider universe, even if it's not necessarily Cad Bane will appear here again or Kingpin what are we doing with Kingpin next? Maybe survive. It's still just like teasing up the larger scope of things rather than like interweaving the character into the story you're being told in the moment. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing is where these things that I think did work very well as hype mechanics in post credits have now become things that they are present within the story itself. It's been yeah. a decade. <clears throat> and of, it of always feels like thing, a, yeah. hold on, pause the film let me just get you hyped for this other product, by the way, real quick. All right, and resume. Whereas yeah. in the credits, it's kind of like you're it's sticking it. around because you're you're down for that. You're down yeah. for that tease. You've made the decision now, post finishing the story, it's the last piece of that popcorn. you want the little like nugget of like. Mm-hmm. But what's after this? Hmm? Tell yeah. me, because I've enjoyed all this so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy. Ideally, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two posts, right? Like, there's five post credit scenes that have nothing to do with the film. None of them feed off the film. It's just teasing different things. What the characters except, are doing, except Adam Warlock. Except for the Adam Warlock one, which, which is still so four that don't and one that does. But like the the Adam Warlock one, that doesn't feel like it's the, the like the tacked on end of the movie. It just feels right. like it, it's you, a post. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where like not video games, but now movies and TV shows. That's where that hype mechanic is really getting to me. It's not necessarily in the marketing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes a film is over marketed to hell. Yeah. Um, but usually it's a product itself now. Yeah, but yeah. usually it's within the product itself. When I feel like. I'm getting the fraction of a TV spot shoved into my story. Yeah. That's when it gets to me. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the mummy, right? Like the mummy, like, like I'm really, I'm really like sensitive to like force type. Like nobody's hyped for this thing, but they're going to be like, Hey, you want to go see the mummy? What, what's going to happen next with Russell Crowe? Mr. Hyde, or what's this thing? The invisible man and Dracula. Like that's, Nobody gives a shit, and nobody wants it in this movie. Right. You know what the next artificial hype machine is going to be? What are the secrets of Dumbledore? I I need to know. I'm out. I'm out. Well, no, I'm... We, we, we've already decided, like, as a podcast, like, <laughs> F that movie. But yeah. I know it's, like, the third movie. It's all about the Dumbledore shit. And we got a new gr- gr- Gringleborg, whatever. Like, Gringleborg. They're <laughs> going to hype it so hard. What are the secrets? I'm super interested in the financial success of that film. I cannot you have imagine. To, you have to understand that Crimes of Grindelwald also dipped. I can't so imagine like, it makes a lot of and, money. And J.K. Rowling has tanked uh, <laughs> down so deeply since then. I'm like, there are definitely people that are not going to see this movie just because I've heard that would have otherwise. Yeah. And so, like, this, this movie's going to... Uh, I'm not convinced that we get four and five of that series. Um, I can't get more apt, I think, than a metaphorical description of what I said earlier, which is like, if if when Captain Carter would appear in the Doctor Strange sequel, you also got that lower third that was just like, hey, go check out What If on Disney Plus when you go home. Like, that's what those moments feel like now when it's interrupting the story. It feels like I'm getting that little pop-up. Fantastic Beast comes out in April. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's around the corner. That movie's bombing. Are you kidding? They were me? they were supposed to head on two, and it's gonna lose. Oh. So on Thursday, a trailer was supposed to drop for Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. They did. 
and it didn't. And all they said was like, "We'll explain later," but the tra- but you'll have to wait a little bit longer for the trailer. Is it another secret? <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. Oh God! I hope that movie tanks so hard, and I'm so sorry, Mads. I'll watch it when it's on HBO or whatever. But like that's it got, yeah, it's I'll got probably to watch it on HBO Max or when it, yeah. someday. Yeah, it's got to fail. I'll right, probably. Man, I'll yeah. probably never watch it. I'll probably just rewatch Sonic I'll, the Hedgehog too. I'm probably in the same camp as you've been. I'm like, unless I hear like Mad's performance is just, you gotta see it. Like, I, I think I'm out. It's like a fast forward. No, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just be like, okay, that sounds good. I'm still gonna watch Sonic again. Uh, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 2. What a hype the machine. Power, <laughs> listen, the power dynamics of the movie universe are about to change that weekend. I'm so glad hey, that I'm they just... just decided, hey, what if we just like, went for the video game dorks yeah <laughs> how crazy is it real quick sonic is going against the new harry potter movie 10 years ago that would never have happened that's where harry potter ago, is at right now uh, 10 sonic years ago i would have asked 10 years ago if you would have said that sentence right i would have called the cops on you and had them search your apartment for drugs i was not like well, that. no it's not well, just they that. find it but first, <laughs> I say, that's really but first <laughs> I myself would have laughed at you because I would not have been excited for a Sonic movie over you a Harry Potter. It while you were high. Sure. Well, but that's, that's the, the point. But that's the thing where it's like, you know, you look at like, like Sonic is in a strong place right now. Like it, 10 years ago, if you put a Sonic film up against Harry Potter, Harry Potter's destroying everything. But like this is where Fantastic Beasts is at, where the brand is at now. Like you put Sonic in it. I'm sorry, Sonic's got it. That's a landslide. That's crazy. I mean, right now, I mean, okay. So this is my ending point, or my ending argument, not our ending argument, like my ending thoughts of this are how we feel about hype now. Because especially with Sonic the Hedgehog 2, because we all know I'm hyped as all hell. I am, honest to God, trying to control the hype. Because I will I will admit, there have been times I've been way too overhyped for things and it's bitten me in the ass before. So... Um, out of curiosity for you guys, are you also trying to just like maybe temper the hype a little bit, or are you just like, nope, balls to wall, let's go for it? No, no, no. I, my, life, my life is led by my emotions, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna counter my emotions. I do, I do try to try to kind of manage when it's like a movie that like it's like Moonfall. Like I was pretty excited for Moonfall, but like I knew that Moonfall mm-hmm. would be like a movie that I could get like hype for. So like I'll manage that that. But if it's like the Batman, and I'm confident I'm gonna like it. I'm like. Bring it to me. Put it in my face. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's it's almost like a surefire win, like an Elden Ring. We're like, I know I'm going to like it. How much am I going to like it? Right. That's a good feeling. Because I'm not worried I'm going to dislike the Batman. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm right. pretty confident about that movie. I'm kind of in that same, like, but for me, like with the Batman, my hype, uh, just my my excitement has just leveled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm, I'm like that. I'm, I know I'm going to like it. So now I'm just waiting to watch it. And I'm glad that they haven't showered me with trailers and mm-hmm. footage. I'm glad that I gotten to live in like a, I, I'm sated. I want to see the movie now. Um, uh, but because of that, like my, my hype is relatively low and I don't think it's going to capital until I'm going to the theater. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, I, de- it's, Batman. <laughs> I definitely know yeah. like whenever it's like bef- right before the movie, that's like when hype's like, oh, we're, we're in the theater right now, man. The same thing happened yeah. with Spider-Man No Way Home, where yeah, like yeah. my hype had honestly at a certain point leveled out. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm ready to see it. And then we're going to the movie and I'm like, I'm yeah. ready to see it. Yeah, after um, a while, like you, you've seen the trailers enough. You're like, no, I know it's coming. But I think, the important, I think the important part is like managing your expectations. Just, just yeah. And, and really specifically, like not building up too much what you expect the movie to be in your head. 
but willing yeah. to like honestly if i built too many expectations of what i thought the sonic the hedgehog movie should be before i saw it i wouldn't have liked the sonic the hedgehog movie yeah but because i went in with pretty pretty down there expectations i ended up rather enjoying some would that say film. for me the lowest expectations you could possibly have for a movie venom 2 Oh Went yeah, with the oh, lowest yeah. of low expectations. Oh, yeah. I came out having a great time. Like, yeah, rave. <laughs> you, you, you can't. You gotta like. You gotta be willing to like sometimes let go of certain things. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that you can meet the media on its level. Yeah. Um, this really arkens back all the way to when we talked to Ken Napsok about liking the prequels. It's like you know, try and meet the movie on its level, and sometimes your expectations are going to be too yeah. high. And you gotta recognize when like it's on you and when it's on the movie. Yeah, um, I so I think managing. <laughs> I think managing expectations is important. I think it's great to be part of hype if you're being part of hype in like the community sense, like yeah. us mm -hmm. getting hype about something, great. Us engaging with social media hype about it, cool. Um, again, it's that corporate hype, that pushed on hype. That's where I'm like, ugh, no, yeah. don't like. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, I was, I was talking about earlier about like, the, like you don't mean a movie on that. On, on this level, is that you know that's the last Jedi. That's essentially what the initial outcry for the last Jedi was. They weren't re people weren't ready to meet the movie on its level. Their own expectations are for Luke's journey of how yeah. they've thought about it for some decades. For some people, yeah, yeah, like you hype it up, you hype it up in your in your mind so much that like after it's it's crystallized at this at this moment. Yeah, um, which is the danger of video games, and why I'm glad we're getting to a tighter and tighter schedule on overhyping video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, why don't you bring up Grayson's comment and we'll call it. Oh uh, yeah, um, his he said I'll say more of a I'm more of a Batman fan, but the DCU hurt me so hard that I'll admit I really <laughs> do try to reel in the hype after I've had time to think about it. But in the moment, I'm all in. Yeah, the early the the Zack Snyder to Suicide Squad era is rough for sure. But now we've got you know Shazam, Aquaman, the Harley Quinn. I'm Quinta. so excited for Aquaman. Yeah, uh, I think now. Right now, I'm in a spot where I'm more excited for a lot of the DC stuff than I am the Marvel stuff. Like, yeah. you got the Batman, you got Aquaman. Um, what, what else are there? I, I'm Peacemaker I'm, season two, Peacemaker Shazam season two. two, yeah, 100%. Um, uh, Black Adam, Adam, honestly, Batgirl, the Black Canary project. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm all on board right now for DC. Um, Marvel's got Doctor Strange, which I'm excited about, but like their TV stuff last year, like, really, even if it's good, it really tried me for like trying to do something different, yeah, instead of just being a product. So, like, fingers crossed I'm, for Moon, Moon Knight. I am. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Okay. All right. Why don't we get into a book club then? I think we're yeah done Hi. that one. Kaiju hype. Ben, keep going because this is your show now. Okay then. So my uh, pick for the book club this week is Kaiju Score, Volume One: A Monster Affair, written by James Patrick, drawn by uh, Rem Brew. And uh, the uh, front and original covers also did by Rembrew. And there's, that's a lot of names, so we're just going to keep going going through. Hold on, please read The Colorist. Is The Colorist the same? Because the colors in this book are super important, and they're really great. And I specifically, if there's a colorist, I want you to name them. Unless it's just I, the artist. I don't see it. It's just the Okay, artist. that's fine. Then it's just beautiful. They did it all. Beautiful. Because yeah. the color is so good. No, the color is one of the reasons I like this book so much. It's because it's gorgeous. Yeah, the color is the color is gorgeous. Um, yeah. So this was Ryan's Christmas present to me last year. Thank you, Ryan. And as a tradition, when I get a new comic book that I've never read before, I'm like, I'm gonna make this a future book club. So I have. It's weird to say I like it, but there are things about this book I really don't like. And at the same time, it's like, oh, this is 
there's I, I want to read more. That's the thing. It's like there are parts of it I don't really enjoy, but I really want to find out what's going on in the next volume. But I want to see what you guys have thought of it. I'll go first. I really liked it. It felt like a like when I first saw it was four issues. I was worried that there wouldn't be enough there to like really satisfy a story, but like it feels like a tight ninety minute like action movie where like 100%. like like it gives you just as much as you need. Like there's not a lot of like there's maybe some filler that like not necessary, but it didn't feel like super filler. Um, I I love the art, and it's not normally a cartoony style that I like, but I think the color is really really make this book stand out for me. Um, I think if the colors weren't so popping. I wouldn't like it as much, but like the cartoony nature of it makes it so you know who every single character is. Like they are super identifiable. They're super um, like personable. Like you know who everyone, they all have completely different looks. Uh, the, the kaiju stuff's really fun. And it's like a lot of cool like world building lore. This immediately got bought for a movie before it even came out. So Ben, you're going to be watching the movie in the next couple of years. Okay. So like it's one of those. It should be a movie. It, it definitely feels like I get like this is Ocean like an Ocean's Eleven movie with Kaiju. Uh, I had a really good time. It's short, brisk, sweet, and fun. Uh, I agree with uh, pretty much everything Ryan said. I think that the characters really pop in this art. Um, I think all the coloring is is gorgeous. I love the entire look of the book um, from beat A to uh, all the way to the end. I really love the concept of a world that has kind of like not not just like learned to live with kaiju, but accepted that they're a part of the ecological setup and like they're important to how the world functions mm-hmm. and does designs itself in a way to like Pacific Rim responsibly style, yeah. engage with them rather than like treat them like monsters. They treat them as animals. That, yeah. Like they just have to kind of navigate yeah. their way around. There aren't mechs to go fight um, them. Yeah. I, I particularly love at the end of issue one for what we were reading anyway it's probably at the end of the volume for ben i don't know though um that it has the listing of like the uh the information the do's and don'ts supposed and to handle like yeah. a kaiju situation um yeah, and i love that like, uh my my favorite page is the part where it's like fact versus myth and it's saying like they're actually incredibly intelligent yeah. uh the most kaiju are range from dog to dolphin intelligence um and uh that they are just these things that have lived here for so long and like we have to learn to live with them and that's that's the strategy is to like you know acknowledge that like you need to be responsible about how you engage with them and we always try to be alert and know when they're going to make landfall but like we we do our best but we gotta keep out of their way because they're just creatures trying to do their thing yeah there's a lot of talk the different procedures for different kaiju like if the kaiju by florida i forget the names of them but like if it comes up it's like okay we keep a one mile radius we just make sure there's nobody around we just let it do its thing it's just gonna sunbathe and go home it's just gonna do its thing sunbathe and head back to the water we'll be fine and then there's like a different protocol when like another kaiju will show up and like they know that there's a fight gonna happen because they know the territorial roots of these kaiju they know the personalities Mm -hmm. of these kaiju these different breeds um and so or, like the, or, the military is like everybody get back well well not even like when it engages with another kaiju just that single kaiju it's like no the the radius for that one is 15 miles because that one likes to throw things it gets aggressive mm-hmm. we need to say a certain distance so it doesn't get the females are less aggressive so like majura isn't as a threat just like leave her alone she's fine just let her sleep it's cool yeah mm-hmm. i i i agree with ryan and sparks i really liked this i thought this was a lot of fun i really like how it's written i really connected with the with the characters i think they're all written very distinctly and i think the main character comes off exactly how he's meant to which is kind of this mm-hmm. like almost like the spike spiegel type person like someone who who is like definitely like i can do this but also kind of like of course this would go wrong you know like yeah, of yeah. course like of course this would happen like a classic like screw up but like i'm i'm, yeah. I'm out to be number one but i'm always number two yeah yeah 
Uh, I think yeah. that all all works really well. I, I think there's just enough characters. There's just enough twists and turns. And it's a, it's a decent heist story that I could easily make a really cool movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Visually, like like obviously, like the pages are, are incredibly well drawn. But like I was seeing the movie in my head during the safe, <laughs> the the fan, fan, uh, Fast and Furious monster safe vault thing, uh, where they use a monster to go through some wires to pull the safe out of the casino. Uh, and then they use that same monster to hide the safe in the ocean. Beautiful, like really oh, yeah. smart, fun stuff. Um, I love all the characters. Like it felt really like 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 classic like ocean shit They're like oh you got the safe cracker but who is she really and like mm. the guy who has bad luck but is it really bad luck like i i love all the stuff it felt like super like almost like 60s like espionage stuff but with kaiju and i think you get to know all of them very well for the amount of story you're given like I yeah think, i think you're very well aware of who all four of your main characters are and even uh, to an extent the the boss blackie yeah uh, uh pierce and the bad guy like you get just enough of why he's an asshole like yo man shit's rough and i just want to leave well yeah and then like straight up like him like if i tag it all the way back it's because i know my time is limited like yeah. i'm in the same shit business <laughs> i yeah. love that like he, he he kills one of the main guy like one of our main characters and then he's going to do it to the second guy and he's like i already gave that speech uh so short story i'm retiring I'm not gonna give the yeah, whole speech yeah. of why I murdered yeah. you, and I'm like, that's really funny. And like, I feel for when the the bad luck guy dies, mm-hmm. I, like that that yeah. hurts. Um, that was I unexpected. Also, yeah, I also love when Pearson was... gets it and he gets slammed into the building, and then she's like, "Wow, that was perfect." That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, so perfect. actually, I mean, I know you're supposed to. And I know the second I say this, Ryan, you're gonna be like, "But you're supposed to feel that way." Is I hated Pearson. I know you're supposed to hate him, but just something yeah, but about you're supposed him. to feel that way Sorry. shut up but he just <laughs> something about him just bothers me i don't know what it is i can't really i can't really pinpoint as to why i don't know if it's just his character the way he talks i just I he sexually him. harassed someone like the second he's, time we meet him yeah. Yeah, he's I, a bad person i hate him so when he so when he does get his comeuppance i'm like oh yeah the dude, way he gets, dude he gets like one of the wildest panels i've ever seen in oh, any comic which gore. is where he gets to just focus Ugh. on his dick <laughs> There's a, there's a thing there's a thing about that I like about this movie uh, book sorry about this comic the the thing of like I read a, I read a couple of years ago the comic book tried to do like the Walking Dead of kaiju right it's these people dealing with unrelated things and kaiju just live in that world like zombies just live in the Walking Dead world this does that better because this feels like the kaiju are a natural part of the world they're not just like wandering around they they're part of the ecosystem as Park said and they're part of the action so the 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 heist stuff and the and the the you know the step four throw away the plan because it went wrong uh involves the kaiju so like and there's there's bits where like he's like waving at the kaiju it's like this is this feels like a real world that that exists mm-hmm. he tells Majora to go that way and she does i'm like that was funny. That was. Funny. I love that. Oh, it's. I love that. No. And he treats he treats the, her with an amount of intelligence. I love when he does the the to to prove his point. Like you can be real close to it. Look, get a picture, homie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how her eye just go is just like, all right. And even when he goes gets the safe from her when she's sleeping in the ocean, and she and she's just like, all right. And she goes back to sleep with the uh, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the yeah. Uh, no, but one thing I actually was really when I was reading this book. I was kind of nervous is like, are they going to treat Kaiju like they do Godzilla? Not to say that everything is like, not everything that they treat where the giant monsters are involved is like, we have to fight the giant monster, pew, pew, pew. But I love how different it was is like, no, these are just, we coexist with them. It's like, mm-hmm. they show up, we just we just get out of Dodge, they go back to the ocean, we go back to where we are, everything's fine. It's, nice, might, it's nice that like, 
sometimes like in kaiju movies like you you can't fight the kaiju like you don't always need a mech like sometimes you just have to deal with it and that sucks and that's yeah. like the human element of this which is great it's kind of where like, the Toho also, Godzilla movies. It also that. requires a society that's basically like accepts collateral damage, but also is uh, concerned about insurance buyouts, but just accepts <laughs> that collateral damage is a is a necessity of there is in like, this world. Like Marvel's damage control for kaiju, where they're just yeah. like, we're going in this week, boys. We got a job this week. Right. Yeah. Um. There's the the opening uh uh, uh issue where it talks about uh, Marco is like all his failed jobs. My favorite of his failed jobs is uh, he once stole six million in gold from a military plane, but he abandoned it because he didn't compensate for the time zone change. The getaway trucks were an hour behind. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that is really funny that, that I can see like again happening in a movie. Uh, I'm like, where's the getaway truck? Oh shit! Like just really, really clever writing. Um, yeah, uh, I also, uh, and also I love how. Once again, Blackie, another character I I do not like. I mean, I know he's the boss and no one likes him. It's supposed, supposed to like him because, you know, he can kill you. But at the same time, uh, when he calls Marco an artist, and then at the very end of the book when Michelle's like, I need an artist for this job, I'm like, well, I want to see what he comes up with next. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if I find issue two out there, I'm buying it. Or volume two, I should say. Well, if it's I, not out. Yeah. Hold on. It's not out yet. It's ha- it, it is happening, though. This volume was a success. Good. Um uh, just pointing out in the chat that Grayson also jumped in to let Ben know that when you actually feel the exact way about a character the author wants you to, that's just perfect character creation. So, as it is, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you like the writing of it so much that you hated those characters that you were supposed to absolutely hate. Um, yeah, I think it's really good. I think there's just a lot of exceptionally good I, moments. So, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't a negative for me, but it is the one, uh, the one thing that I didn't notice. And it's, it's, um, Michelle's backstory about how why she is why she took over the role of being the hacker or the the, the safe cracker. I like it. It's fine. I for me, it's not it's just barely enough for me to care about like her backstory. Because it's kind of just like done in like one quick page. And then it's told, oh, the lady that I killed was actually the one who did it to me. And I'm like, that's very fast for me. And I know it's only again, it's like a 90-minute movie, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of real estate but like that was the one thing that i was like i could have used more of this for, to me to connect why she's doing this but again like it's not super bad like it's there just enough to connect but i would have liked a little more yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's, like, it's likely if they had a fifth issue they could have inserted an entire michelle storyline yeah. yeah it is it is the thing where like i don't i don't even know if i like if this if this was longer i might like it less because like it's not even something i know i i, I might need i just as i was in the moment i'm like they cut away from it really quickly Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just like, hey, here's my story. That's it. And I'm like, it's good enough. It's it, it is good. It is again like four issues. It like serves in and the out. story well enough. It serves the story well enough. Yeah. Um, in a I, movie, it will be fleshed out. Uh, one of my favorite things was the introduction of Larry, um, who is the little pincer kaiju that senses other kaiju and yeah. creates a cicada sound. And I'm like, he just carrying around a little alarm for kaiju presence. That's yeah. so smart. That and a bunch Ooh. of fish guts. <laughs> Mullet fish. Mullet fish, yeah. Um, yeah, man, like like Pearson is uh uh like a good antagonist, you know, the type of guy like, oh, I'm gonna screw everyone over uh uh until the end and then I'm gonna win it all. Like he's just a good, good bad guy. Blackie is a good bad guy. Like I, I, I he reminds me of like uh what's his name? Ron Perlman in in uh Pacific Rim. He's like that kind oh. of guy. Oh, uh, Hannibal Chow. Hannibal Chow. Yeah, Hannibal Chow, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like you're an underworld guy in the kaiju world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really cool idea. And this is absolutely a world I would love to revisit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I really like the energy of these characters, especially moments like uh, where Michelle gets the safe cracked open after uh, Pearson's been screaming in her ear, and she's like, "See that? F you, Pearson! Yeah. You piece of shit!" <laughs> like it's it's very good and uh, gets that all across very well. Um, yeah. I do think the character the the uh, character change turn for our our main guy when he uh, says "kill me" and it even catches Pearson off guard. And he's mm-hmm. like, "What'd you say?" Uh, and he doesn't. He really does want Michelle to survive because she's a good person and he isn't. Uh, I think all that's very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, damn, I lost it. Okay. Cannot yeah. cannot say enough that the art is so pretty that I, honestly, for that alone, this book is worth a read. Yeah, like like truly was popping. And again, I got my big ass fifty five inch TV or whatever. Like gorgeous, just gorgeous. I love I love the character work. Like this is like I'm gonna check this uh this artist's other work to see if it's if it's as good. Really, really it. pretty art. Can't wait for volume two and or that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very good read. So, Ryan, hey, it's your book club next week. Yes, it is. I'm gonna pull up the 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 thing real quick. But guys, there is a movie called The Batman coming out next week, and it's hard for me to talk and type at the same time. You know, I'm a silly boy. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to pick one of my well. I say it's one of my favorite books, but I haven't read it since it came out uh, a decade ago. God damn it! It is Batman: The Black Mirror by mm. Scott Snyder and Francesco Precavilla and Jacques. It is a ten issue miniseries or maxi series, so it is ten issues, so it is a little bit of a read. But it is. Incredible good art, incredible good art, and it's my boy Dick Grayson as Batman, and this is his detective run where he gets to be a great detective. And Gordon's like, "Batman doesn't smile. Who the f are you?" And it's like, "It's me, Dick. It's me, Dicky boy." Uh, very excited. Has some great art. Um, um, very similar actually to the Riddler. Uh, the villain of this book is kind of like a crazy serial killer man. It might be G- Gordon's son. Who knows? Ooh, spicy. Can't wait to uh, read it. I was surprised you you didn't pick Batman the Imposter. There's a lot of books. There's a lot yeah. of books to, to, to pick from. My store was shorted Batman the Imposter. I was so upset. I was like, I really There's want to read Batman it. Batman out there. There's also a lot of Batman out there. Hold up. So Grayson, first he's like thanking me for recommending Battle of the Cow, which I'm trying to remember when I told him to read that. That must have been Probably years, years ago. ago. Probably one. years ago. Um, Mag, of course, is saying stay safe, gang. Catch you later. You too, bud. Thank you again Follow for joining us. Always. And of course, Grayson again is OMG. I'm in Dick as Batman. Ooh, Grayson. Dick Grayson is- Dick Grayson is his favorite character, as you could probably tell by his name. Me too. Oh. Well, at least for DC. At least for DC. At least for DC. All right. So that'll do it. This episode went far longer than that. That'll do her. That'll do it. Uh, this episode went far longer than I thought it would. It did, and we're here. Um. So. Uh, next week is the Batman, as we've said before. <laughs> Check that out the soundtrack is already out all right make I sure refuse to listen to it all right make sure to like this video and subscribe to this channel um you can check out our other shows of course such as our audio show conversation i was stifling a burp at the same time i was talking um <laughs> conversation i've st- i've started recording season two and by that i mean i've recorded one episode of season two but we're going we did it we're here beautiful of course you can check out our other shows on this channel of course fake nerd podcast fake nerd jesus christ fake nerds watch that's a show we do where we talk about tv shows it's true peacemaker season one is up star trek discovery season four episode nine is up now 10 
of Satan is coming next week. And Book of, Book of Boba Fett and every MCU show that's come out on Disney Plus so far, because we referenced all of that and that last season of Game of Thrones. If you want to see any of our thoughts when those things wow, came out, years ago. they're there. That's yeah. true. They are there. Good, good. Thank you. Um, Sergeant Picard is coming soon. We're going to do that as a separate. It's going to be a separate Fake Nerds Watch, so there's going to be two concurrently for three weeks. Hot dog. Sorry, Sparks. <laughs> um, Basement Arcade. There's a Mortal Kombat X series still going on. That's on that over there. Um, there's tons of other games you can check out, of course. Basement Arcade possibly, I assume, a new episode is coming soon. Maybe. Okay. Um, Fakener Book Club. He doesn't actually know. Oh, no, no. I, I need to give Sparks some things I haven't gotten to. No, no, no. You don't know because Sparks could be too busy. That's true. <laughs> Did you say it won't be? No. <laughs> Not you, this got, year. you got stuff. I got stuff, but I have less of the stuff this week than usual. Oh, I was hoping you would have more of the stuff. I need some of that stuff. That's the stuff. All right. Um, Fake Nerd Book Club and Anime Station. Of course, you can check those shows out as well. Uh, Crafted by Z Mask. We saw some masks. You know, we talked about COVID 19 earlier, uh, earlier this thing. You know, hey guys, perspective. Check out our mask. Link below. We got a Patreon. We got a T Public. Buy it or merchandise there. You can subscribe to our Patreon. I'm going to fix that, I promise. Both those links are down below, or you can find everything on our website, which is also linked below, fakenerdpodcast.com. Check out everything, all the links to our shows, all the links to our pages, merchandise, everything, blog, whatever. All there, Central Hub. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Thank you to everyone who watches the Rewind. Thank you to everyone who watches the live stream. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for all your support. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci, who does all the music you heard here tonight and the music you hear on every single one of our shows. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards, or you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes or Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. And of course, you can find Mike Patola, good friend of the show, Mike Patola, does some of our logos for us, uh, did a bunch of episodes. You can find him on TikTok and Instagram. TikTok posting some very funny stuff. Did you see the one where he hung himself? Yes. No. Very it's funny. funny. <laughs> it, it's it's so somebody uh was like, so what happens if you mess up on one of your on one of your like uh, line by line things? So he like did a fake one and then he like spilled like coffee all over it and then it does a quick cut to him hanging himself. <laughs> it's just hung. It's really funny. It sounds disturbing. Very it's funny. Very <laughs> I like this Rickroll one where it's like if you translate to Japanese, it's never going to give you up. That was pretty funny. Oh He's a funny guy. Um, he's a great guy. We love him. You can find him on TikTok and Instagram at Mike Patola. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all of Fake Nerd Podcast, FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant uh, daily almost. There's the Revisiting the Infinity Saga series that I'm doing over on Atomic Geekdom, and I am the website editor for Kaiju Ramen. Ben. You can find me making deadlines my bitch at benmagda 27 on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also... <laughs> oh my god, Brandon. You can also that's, find me... That's the most beaker you've looked on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, not, no, not imagining beaker doing bad things. Oh no. 
You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, both the website and in print. Um, go Nintendo.com. That should be coming up March 7th, but it may or may not. That's that's just the tentative date when the website gets relaunched. And you can find me writing for Fusion Gaming Magazine, issue 31. The newest issue that will be coming out will have my first printed article, FusionRetroBooks.com. Go, that's the website you want to go to. If you want, if you want to check it out and possibly subscribe to the magazine, because I'm going to be writing for them for here from here on out. Just saying. Don't tell anybody. Sparks. You can find me managing my hype and expectations at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P A R K Z Witty. Ryan. You can find me living amongst the tarnished for the next 600 hours of my life, playing Elden Ring at DJ Tony Snark. All right, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Write and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time we see us, guys, stay safe, guys.